the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Ground ball, hit up the middle. Wong is there, throw to first, and that'll do it. It's been a wild and crazy regular season, and the Cardinals find themselves in a familiar spot. The St. Louis Cardinals are headed to postseason play in 2020. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN at 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. That was the voice of the Cardinals uh, TV broadcaster, Dan McLaughlin. Thanks to him for joining us last week. But Michelle Smallman is back, and the Cardinals are champions. Brandy, it's great to be Well, at least... In the playoffs. At least in the playoffs. (laughs) You know, postseason baseball. It is great to be back. It's great to hear that call from Dan announcing that the Cardinals are going back to the postseason for the second consecutive year. And it's a weird season, as Dan mentioned. You had a lot of wild twists and turns. But, Randy, some things always stay the same, like Cardinal baseball in October. Yeah, it it does happen to be a rite of passage here in St. Louis, doesn't it? It does. And even though there's a lot of things that, that people are going to say negatively about this team or about this season, as we approach the playoffs, I'm still just as excited. So Michelle went out on a vacation out west, went to parks <laughs> and beaches, nice and serene. Did you expect that you were going to go on such a roller coaster ride? <laughs> I did not. I thought it was going to be smooth sailing. We were on the water. I thought it was going to be smooth sailing. I didn't expect the the waters to be so choppy, Randy. It was unbelievable. And it's great to be reactionary and come in after loss and say, oh, they're dead. Or come back after a win and be, yeah, here we go. But that's the Cardinals this year. Never got to three games over 500. Never got to three games under 500. They are a team that is going to make you wonder every single day what they're going to do next. Yeah, you may not like what you see sometimes, but at least they were consistent in what they were giving you. Yeah. You know, they told you who they were consistently throughout the season. They were consistently inconsistent. <laughs> That's right. It was great. Yesterday, they had a lot of good things happen. Obviously, a terrific start by Austin Gomber. The bullpen was wonderful. And Harrison Bader went yard. And Bader launches one out to deep left. Into Big Mac land, and he hit the painting. He hit the painting for Fred Bird. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, yeah. Fred Bird, where you at? He hit the painting in Big Mac land. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) That may be the hardest ball he's ever hit in his life. First, great eyes for Danny Mac. Yes. Fred Bird out there being Bob Ross and painting out in <laughs> Big so Mac good. Land. It's classic. And that was epic. That was great. Would you think that might be the most 
impressive home run he'll ever hit. Yes. He, target you know, practice. I was going to say, he's a, he's a young guy. He, he's going to hopefully have many years ahead of him in his career. Maybe he hits a home run in a pressurized moment like that. But for him to be able in that moment to hit that painting was so funny to me. It was impressive, but it was so funny. And then the Cardinals clinched things. And Bader afterwards talked about the the trajectory of this season for the Cardinals and how they had to come together under unusual circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you know, when I woke up this morning, obviously we knew what we had in front of us. Um, and I was just kind of sipping my coffee, just asking myself what, what my team needs from me today. That was just the biggest thing. I just kind of woke up with that, um, with that question, with that, with that feeling. And, and my answer is, you know, for, for me to internalize and for me to kind of keep to myself. But um, I think when I just, uh, when I really, really think about it, especially in, in such a big game and, and what we need moving forward, I mean, we're all firing on the, on the same cylinders. We know what we got in front of us. We know we had what we have behind us. I think it's just uh, it's just amazing how well we've come together. It's just so it's just so special for so many reasons. So I'm just so very very thankful and grateful to be a part of it all. There is no doubt that going through something like this, especially for the main guys, the pitchers that are have been here and are going to be here, and the uh, position players that have been here and that are going to be here, it has to build a bond that is different than the bonds of most teams. Yeah, you would think, Randy, when they're stuck in a hotel room, a haunted hotel room in Milwaukee for six days, and they're texting and FaceTiming each other, only those guys will ever know what that experience is like. When you head to Caravan, up to Chicago, and all these rental cars, that's a shared experience that's going to bring this team together. And the fact that they have overcome so much adversity, and they've endured so many obstacles that have been thrown their way, and now here they are heading into the postseason, it's got to breathe some life into these guys. What did the manager, Mike Schiltz, think of what he witnessed this year it's hard to express the respect i have for this group i mean other teams you know miami as well we can relate to that accomplishment but that's a it's a pretty special accomplishment what just took place you know and i told the group this and clearly everybody's been disrupted by this season everybody is watching everybody in this league but the ability for people to deal with the things that people couldn't even people could see and follow you guys follow us played 11 double headers we played however many games in you know ridiculous amount of you know number of days unprecedented has ever happened in the history of sports and to make the playoffs with losing a third of your team taking a 17-day break having a drive to a game it got beyond baseball that, that's accomplishments about spirit and heart and togetherness and just sheer will You think about 41 different rental cars making their way Mm -hmm. up to Chicago coming out of this whole thing. What they did, what they went through is pretty amazing. It is. And the conversations we were having at that time was... Are they even going to be able to finish the season? Yeah. What are we going to even see out of this team? Our expectations are as far down as they can possibly be because these guys weren't seeing live pitching. They were throwing against mattresses and hotel rooms. <laughs> they we, we had guys making debuts that we didn't even know who they were. And here they are overcoming all of that to go to the playoffs. No matter what happens, I will always look back on the 2020 Cardinals and have respect for them and be impressed by what they were able to do. So after yesterday's game, a lot of the players and front office people were on the Zoom call. And I asked Yadier Molina, who's been through this before since 2004. He's been, for the most part, going to the postseason. I asked him what this particular team is capable of. You know, when you spend 17 days without playing, um, I mean, sometimes you, you, you think that way. 
um, yeah, it was in my mind, but I'm, I'm thankful that everything get get back to normal. And, and, um, we got some baseball game and win baseball game and, and to be back in the postseason is, is, is good. So he'll get back in the postseason and uh, actually let's use number three from Yachty. This is what he had to say about what this team is capable of. A lot of teams, I mean, we got... I mean, we can in the postseason. I mean, I, I mean, I've been in the postseason for a long time. I'm, if you get hot at the right time, you, I mean, you can do it. I mean, you can you can have a, a bad team and you in a playoff, you get hot and you're gonna win an oil. I mean, it's it's to play the it's play the game the right way. Um, I think we can do that. I mean, if you play the uh, the game the right way, we can win it all. You never know. All you have to do is get in. And then you have to have somebody get hot. Mm-hmm. So Michelle and I were talking about this before we came on the air. Who is this year's David Freeze? Who gets hot for the Cardinals in the postseason? Maybe Jeff Albert calls Mike Shilton and says, hey, don't take him out of the lineup. He's just about there. He's about to get hot. Hmm. Like Mark McGuire did with Tony as Tony was driving down 40 and told him about David Freeze. Which is still one of the great stories in Cardinal history. Yeah, <laughs> Love that story. Okay, so it has to be someone that we don't expect to be the hero. Mm-hmm. So Paul Goldschmidt's out of the equation. Yadier Molina's out of the equation. Who else can you remove from, from that conversation? I, I think, Michelle, it's reasonable to remove Dexter Fowler from that conversation. I agree. Based on the season that he's had, yeah. he's been producing for you, so it wouldn't be that big of a shock. What about the guy? Who, what about Bob Ross? What about Harrison Bader? He's a guy that a lot of people wouldn't put money on, but seems to be capable of coming through in those big moments. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with Paulie D. I like that pick. But does but does he? I wouldn't be totally surprised if if he were to come in in a clutch moment for the Cardinals. Well, but he's never at the major league level. Maybe in April of 2019, he had that hot streak, but he's never really put together that one month hot streak like Freeze did, and w- had everything going for him. Not at, when it really counted, and that's what you're thinking about: is who's going to step up big and become a legend when it counts. Who would be the most surprising person for you on this team if they were to get hot and be the postseason hero? I think I'd go with your Bader call. I think that's a very good call. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully somebody does. The first game, by the way, ESPN 2 at 4 o'clock St. Louis time on Wednesday. That's the Cardinals' first postseason game against the Padres. Don't know yet whether or not ESPN Radio is going to pick that up. There are a ton of games on Wednesday that they can choose from. And hopefully they'll put the Cardinals on. There are eight different games on Wednesday. So hopefully the Cardinals will be one of them at the same time. The Cardinals are playing. Uh, You're going to have the Blue Jays and Rays playing. And the Yankees and Indians start at 6 o'clock with the Cardinals starting at 4. So I don't know if we're going to be able to air the game or not. I hope so, but we don't know yet. Outside of the Padres and Cardinals, obviously, because not only... Is that an interesting angle from a local perspective? But I think a lot of people around the country will probably be tuned into that mm-hmm. series. What other series in the postseason are you looking forward to watching? I am intrigued by Atlanta and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that Atlanta can't pitch and Cincinnati pitches really well. But Atlanta hits the daylights out of the ball. It's kind of the immovable force against irresistible object there. I think the Jays and the Rays. The Rays are are the Jays are an underrated story. The Buffalo Jays are, are, <laughs> Buffalo Jays, are, yeah. are, are an interesting story, <laughs> and 
The other one is the Yankees limp into the postseason. Cleveland is the number four seed in the American League. Cleveland, even though they've gotten rid of people like Bauer and Clevenger and Corey Kluber, I mean, that's three-fifths of a World Series rotation that they've traded over the last year. And they can still pitch. They still pitch as well as anybody. So I'm intrigued by the Cleveland and the Yankees series. How about you? I'm... Everything you said, and then I'm just going to add on to that. How about the Marlins and the Cubs? Yeah. Great storylines oh, there. Yeah. Bartman, that's a great call. And not only that, you have the Marlins going through everything that the oh. Cardinals had to go through. They're a great story, and it wouldn't be fun for them to knock yeah. off the Cubs. And the Cubs just aren't that great. They're not. They're very beatable. Yeah. They're, they're actually, if you look at the final standings, and the Cardinals played 58 games, the Cubs played 60. And I, I kind of think, and I know people say, no, that's not right. The, the Cubs and the Cardinals are very similar in that the, the, the Cubs didn't play up to expectations, but in just in terms of record and the way they play and the fact that they don't hit, there's a lot that is similar. And the Cubs limped down the stretch with a four and six record. Their uh, run differential was plus 25, but they're similar in that. I think their fans hope for a lot more than they're getting. A couple of other notes from yesterday. Congratulations to the Miami Heat. Bummer for Jason Tatum that Miami is advancing to the finals, the NBA finals against the Lakers. You'll hear many of those games here on 101 ESPN. Who would have seen the Heat coming? You know, as as much as I would like to have seen Jason Tatum in that position, I think the Heat and Jimmy Butler are a great story. I love the run that he's been on with them. I love that he was able to go there and be himself and watch his game flourish. And imagine, Randy, if this was not a pandemic and you had a Lakers Heat final. Imagine the parties that would be going on coast to coast. But it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to watch the NBA finals. And game six of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight after Saturday night, the Stars forced game six and uh, staved off elimination against the Vegas Golden Knights. Next up on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, how did the Cardinals manage to make this postseason with so many obstacles? That's next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker. It's 101 ESPN. And Michelle, you think about the 53 games in 44 days. You think about the 17 days that the Cardinals didn't play, as you mentioned in the last segment, spending six days in a haunted hotel in Milwaukee with Jack Flaherty throwing balls against (laughs) mattresses. There was just so much for the Cardinals to overcome this season. And the Marlins and the Jays. Let's give them credit where credit is due as well. There were some teams that really did a great job of dealing with adversity this season. Not to mention, we haven't even touched on the Cardinals' injuries that they've had yeah. to over, overcome. Not only did you miss guys because they were on the COVID list, but then you had no Jordan Hicks, no Miles Michaelis. You have Dakota Hudson. You, I mean, the list of injuries that these yeah. guys, Dexter Feller was Carlos out. Martinez. Carlos Brevia. Martinez. There you go. So many guys that would have been key pieces for you on this team that you lost to injury. You were able to overcome that yeah. as well. And you lost a stalwart in Yadier Molina for a long time because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And during that 17 days, Yadi wondered if they were even going to play. You know, when you spend 17 days without playing, um, I mean, sometimes you 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 think that way. Um, yeah, it was in my mind, but I'm, I'm thankful that everything get, get back to normal. And, and, and we got some baseball game and win baseball game. And, and to be back in the postseason is good. You think about him coming back without having to go to 
the alternate camp in Springfield, just coming back and playing, and then playing pretty much every day and staying healthy. Number one, he's a remarkable physical specimen, mm-hmm. but his will is unmatched. His, his desire to play, his desire to win is unmatched. It is unmatched, and I think guys like that have such a ripple effect on their teammates We've talked a lot about Adam Wainwright and what he's been able to do this season and how that's affected guys on this team. Yadier Molina is right there with them. The fact that he always wants to play. He never wants to take an inning or a pitch off. And no matter if it's a, a hand, when he's in the x-ray room, as soon as he gets out texting <laughs> Wainwright and, and Mike Schill saying, hey, I'm ready to go see you tomorrow, or tomorrow's the biggest game of the season, as as Wayno would say, things like that. That has to have an effect on a team like this. And Everything that you just mentioned, whether it was the throwing into the mattresses, the quarantine, the losing players, the, the caravanning up to Chicago, all these things that could have worn this team down mentally and didn't. I think a lot of credit goes to Mike Schilt. And then I think right below that are guys like Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright, who already have decorated careers. They've made the money. If any two guys on this team didn't have to put 110 percent in, it would be those two guys. Right. And instead of even taking their foot off the gas slightly, they barreled it down even more. So a lot of credit goes to them. Michelle, do you remember that Friday in August before the Cardinals came back against the White Sox, the day that they were all driving in their 41 cars to Chicago? It was August 14th. Do you remember what we were saying on that day? Is We knew we were going to get baseball back, but they hadn't worked out or done anything for 17 days? Yes. I remember I did a TV hit for Marquee, the Cubs pregame network in Chicago, and they were asking me, what are, what's the mood in St. Louis? What are you guys expecting out of this team? I go, we're expecting nothing. Absolutely nothing. We're just so grateful that we get Cardinal baseball this season because we didn't know heading into the season what it was going to look like or what it was going to be when you had the owners and the players squabbling. The fact that we got it in general, we were so excited. And then for a place like St. Louis to have baseball ripped away like that because of a COVID outbreak was really hard heartbreaking. It was really unfair to this fan base. I said, so I know a lot of people that are heading into this saying, hey, we don't know what they're going to look like. They may be terrible, but at least we're going to get to watch Cardinal baseball. That was the thing. I I was like you. I had no real expectations. And it's interesting when you hear the players and the people involved with the team. Paul Goldschmidt, for example. I mean, the schedule was tough once he took two plus weeks off and missed a quarter of the season and had to play what was it, 11 or 12 doubleheaders and had only those two off days and all that. I mean, mentally and physically is definitely, you know, different and, and at times tough. But, you know, kind of to the same point, you couldn't look too far ahead. And, um, you know, I think there was a little bit of just freedom of, you know, man, the odds were kind of stacked against us and just kind of going out there and playing and and seeing what was happening. So, I mean, guys were going to approach it each way, and I'm not sure really the team. I think it was a little bit of both. Of course, you want to go out there and play well, but I think there was also, you know, we kind of talked about it. There's, you know, you had to throw some of the expectations out the window, not knowing what to expect after, you know, taking those couple weeks off and all these doubleheaders and so many new guys and not knowing who was on the roster day-to-day and what it was going to look like. So it was very different, um, very fulfilling to be able to make the playoffs and and, um, definitely enjoy it for today and um, and then get ready for the Padres, I believe. So Goldie was being real and being honest there. He threw his expectations out the window, too. Do you think that helped them in a way? It had to, I would think, because you're playing with freedom. You're, you're playing without pressure. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's one of the problems that the Cubs ran into in a 60-game season is the 
enormous pressure. Obviously, the Dodgers were unaffected completely by the pressure of having to win, at least during the regular season. The postseason might present a different challenge for them. But the Cardinals, I don't think anybody here, I don't think anybody nationally, heck, they didn't even, a lot of people didn't expect the Cardinals to play, let alone play well. We had conversations about, are they going to shut down the season? Mm-hmm. Is this going to happen? We we legitimately thought that that could happen. But we mentioned Adam, Adam Wainwright and Yanni and Melina, how it's not in their DNA to quit. It's not in their DNA to give up. It's the antithesis of who they are. And so you know that them setting that tone as, the, as two of the veteran guys on the team, it's going to permeate through the rest of the clubhouse. But then to have this kind of, hey, you know what? We're not going to give up and we're going to go out there and fight, but we're just going to give it our best and have fun while we're doing it. You sense that from this team. At times, I'm sure they wanted this thing to be over. At times, I'm sure they're like, I cannot bear to play another doubleheader. <laughs> it's just a daunting, daunting task. But then you think about the fact that they probably went out there and said, hey, this team across from us, they probably don't expect a lot from us. So uh-huh. let's go out there. It's a different type of challenge and a different type of competitive nature that comes out from a team like this. Michelle, I'll never forget when the Cardinals were playing in Chicago and Ricardo Sanchez shows up on the mound. And I said, hmm, who's this? I had no idea he was even on the team. <laughs> and Ryan Meisinger shows up on the mound. And it's the same thing. Hmm, who's this? I had no idea he was on the team. <laughs> Fortunately for me, and this is my job to know sort of things like this, but fortunately for me, Paul Goldschmidt didn't either. Yeah, of course, especially that first week in Chicago. You know, the, the starters couldn't go that deep into games. Their pitch counts were down. So guys were coming out of the bullpen. Even the bullpen guys you know, weren't really throwing back-to-back days and couldn't go multiple innings. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely times where guys would come in and maybe they weren't in summer camp with us or weren't in spring training, and you're kind of learning them on the fly. Um, it's a testament, you know, to this organization or, you know, the, the scouts that have drafted these guys and, and developed them in the minor leagues, the minor league coaches, the guys that were in the alternate site staying ready to come up and down, not knowing when, it, you know, their opportunity may come and just everyone kind of, you know, doing the best they could and, and staying on the same page. And, you know, everyone everyone did the best job they could and, and it was able to, you know, get us in this spot now. Ricardo Sanchez, Ryan Meisinger, uh, Jesus Cruz, Roel Ramirez. Oh, we remember him. <laughs> we remember him. <laughs> but those names in that first group of games against the White Sox and the Cubs in Chicago, that was amazing. Do you think there was a lot of great work, dude? Yeah, totally. Hey, buddy. No yeah. <laughs> What's going on, champ? <laughs> totally. There's no doubt about it. But the Cardinals came out of it with a winning record. They come out of it in the playoffs, even if they would not have had expanded playoffs this year. Then they expanded, obviously, from five to eight. The Cardinals still would have made the playoffs with the record that they had against the rest of the league. So overall, I would say a pretty good job. Would you have liked to have had a better team? Would you have liked to have had more offense? Yes. Might the offense affect the Cardinals negatively in the postseason? Yes. Probably. (laughs) But based on what they had and what we reasonably could have expected with everything that did happen with the team, being in the playoffs is quite an accomplishment. It is an accomplishment. And so much credit goes to Mike Schilt. We knew that he was a a good manager. We saw it from the the second that he was given the job. But he just continues to impress me and continues to flourish as the Cardinals manager. And I just I can't commend him enough for the job that he's been able to do this season. Here he is. No. And you know what? I don't want to minimize those accomplishments and those teams um, because they're special and memorable. and, And there's a bond with those groups. 
and a lot of positive, amazing things have happened and perseverance took place with a lot of those teams that won championships and last year's team that won the regular season championships and got the National League Championship Series. But my gosh, um, <laughs> we didn't know if we were going to be able to play this year. And there were days we didn't know who was able to even able to play, you know, and then the injuries and all the other things. And while I'm thinking about, I'd like to make sure Adam Olson and his medical staff and the performance staff get a big, big, big public gratitude for their efforts. Because I can't tell you, and thank God you guys weren't privy to it, but that is some crazy stuff that they just had to deal with and experience and adjust to. And Mike Maddox said we need to be elite adjusters, and they and everybody in this group have been. But to answer your question a long way, no, I've never. That's the most amazing thing I've, I've ever seen or experienced with a group. I love this group. Love this group. Love this group. Elite adjusters. I wrote that down. Because that yeah. describes this team perfectly. They are yeah. elite adjusters. And Mike Schilt gets the credit because he's the manager and he's the guy mm-hmm. that has to face the media and answer the questions. And, you know, you, you get the, the praise and you get the heat when things don't go right. But he's absolutely right. There's so many moving parts behind the scenes here that really helped the Cardinals get to this place. I can't imagine what the training staff had to deal with. Oh, I, man. I really can't. I mean... Think about a professional athlete in in 2020 and everything that goes into getting guys ready to perform at a peak physical level, whether it's diet, it's workouts, it's the way that they throw, it's it's their their side side throwing, all of these different things, their their batting practice, these different things that they have, their routine, and all of a sudden that's taken away from you. And from a physical standpoint, you're coming off a COVID injury or, or you know, the COVID injury list and you don't know how that's going to affect your body physically and you have to adjust to that. That's a lot. And you don't have any opportunity to work out you're showing up at five o'clock to play a baseball game you you aren't lifting weights you aren't doing any real cardio on the machines you aren't really taking bp you're showing up you're changing into your jersey you're playing a game and you're going home (laughs) sometimes you're going to play another game (laughs) yeah right show and go that's michelle i'm randy coming up uh, another weekend in the nfl week three will conclude Hey, we've got four downs for you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Week three in the National Football League concludes tonight. You'll hear it here on 101 ESPN as the Chiefs and Ravens play at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. But 30 teams already have their games in, and Michelle and I have four downs. Michelle, for the last couple of years, Dak Prescott has bet on himself, refusing to sign unless he got a contract for $40 million a year. And I was one of those people that said, Dak, you're crazy. And the Cowboys (laughs) essentially bet against Dak Prescott by not signing him. Well, now here here we are with Dak playing for the franchise tag this year. In the interim, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have signed mega contracts in excess of $40 million a year. And the Cowboys are leaning on Dak. He leads the league in passing yards, and as importantly in this conversation, he leads the league in passing attempts. The old adage, pay me now or pay me later, applies here, and Jera is going to lose this bet. Which we like. We do. <laughs> Man, he's he's really good. He almost led them back yesterday to a last-minute victory at Seattle. Obviously, he did it against Atlanta in Week 2. He is doing fantastic things. And he's doing it under pretty extraordinary pressure to be the Cowboys quarterback. 
And it has to be an interesting feeling to be the guy going out there who wants to perform at a high level and wants to perform for his team, but also is feeling like he's, you know, at odds potentially with the the laundry that he's wearing or that he has to prove himself to the people who who bet against him. It's got to be a weird feeling for him. I'll bet he's excited about it, though. I bet We're he is. a bit excited. I bet he, he is when he's thinking about the money he's going to make. <laughs> okay, Randy, I want to give a shout-out to Bears head coach Matt Nagy. You're probably thinking, what? Why do you want to give him a shout-out? Well, let me let me explain, okay? So he started the season with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, which a lot of people didn't think was the right play. But if you're him, you've got to see what you've got out of this guy. If, if you can salvage anything from that pick. The Bears mortgaged a lot to get Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And if you're if he's ever going to be the guy, you need to put some confidence in him. So they started the season out with him. And even though it wasn't everything you expected, he did give you a few flashes to think maybe it could develop into something. The Bears were able to start 2-0 and while Nagy saw what he had in Mitchell Trubisky. And he found out just what he had in him this weekend, Randy. So... A lot is going to be made out of the Falcons blowing yet another lead and the and the Bears coming back and winning that game. But in regards to Trubisky, the Bears trailed 26-10 to 10 in the third quarter. The offense looked terrible up until this point. Trubisky threw an interception on Chicago's first possession of the second half. Matt Nagy said, you know what? I've seen enough. I've seen enough. And he benched Mitchell Trubisky. And when you know it, Nick Foles, St. Nick, comes off the bench. And what does he do? He sparks the offense. And they get a win. Foles was great in the fourth quarter. He led the Bears. Three touchdown drives going 9 of 12 for 119 yards. And he almost had a fourth touchdown, actually. Mm-hmm. Almost had a fourth. And he led the Bears to a big 30 to 26 win over the Falcons. The Bears are now 3 and 0. And while the Trubisky conversation is going to continue in Chicago, I really think Matt Nagy played that situation about as well as he possibly could have. And it takes guts because Trubisky last week had led them to the second half comeback. Right. And he sees what's going on not only with the quarterback but also I'm sure with the players and says, "You know what? For the long term, this is not going to work for us." And I need to make the change now. I wonder if he really expected Foles to come in and lead them to victory. He did. But that game yesterday, that second half by Nick Foles, ended Mitch Trubisky's Bears career, didn't it? Had to. There's no way that you can put him back in there. And maybe Foles will be able to spark them. How how can Nick Foles play like he does in (laughs) Chicago and in Philly and play the way he played here in St. Louis? It's one of the big conundrums, but we got to put some respect on his name. Mm-hmm. We really do. He he has proven to us that while the career in totality has had ups and downs, yeah. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's probably saying, damn, Jeff Fisher. Damn. <laughs> I think a lot of people might be saying that, Randy. <laughs> Michelle, I grew up watching a defensive NFL the fearsome foursome, mm-hmm. the steel curtain, the monsters of the midway, the no-name defense, the killer bees, the doomsday defense. There, there was a nickname for a great defense all the time, and you could count on getting a shutout pretty much every week, and people would get hurt, and teams would go after quarterbacks. Michelle, third down here, the NFL has quit playing defense. Yesterday, completed... Uh, the games for 30 of the 32 teams. Two teams played tonight. Five teams scored less than 20 points, just five of the 30 that have played. 14 teams scored more than 30 so far. And somebody, as Dan Deardorff once said, the game that they're playing is not the game that I grew up loving. It's different. It's there for fantasy football. It's great. But we might as well live with it. 
And not that it's not exciting and not fun. It's just different and not what I grew up with. The NFL has quit playing defense. They don't even bother with it anymore. Do you think it's because it's a copycat league and one team will have a really high-flying, impactful offense and then other teams say, we've got to replicate what they're doing? I think that's part of it. But the other thing is the rules. Holding is allowed. When I was a kid, you you couldn't hold. Now holding is allowed on the offensive line. Uh, Defensive players can't touch a receiver. You can't ride a guy down the field anymore. It's just a different game that's set up to play offense. But there are rules in place so that you can at least tackle. Alvin Kamara scored a touchdown last night for New Orleans where the Green Bay Packer defense looks like the St. Louis Rams. They just could not tackle. They missed four (laughs) tackles, and they're supposed to be a pretty good defense. But nobody bothers tackling or hitting anymore. That's That's the ultimate diss, isn't it, Randy? (laughs) That's what I try to do, yeah. I I texted a a friend up in Green Bay and said, man, that was a Ram-esque play. (laughs) He said, yeah, that number 23 is supposed to be a good player, too. (laughs) Well, speaking of the Rams, Randy, a lot of people who hate watch the Rams were a little nervous watching the Rams in Buffalo yesterday. Two second-half turnovers, and the Rams rallied from a 25-point deficit. You thought, "Uh uh-oh, are they going to come back and and win this game versus the Bills? But they didn't, Randy, because of Josh Allen. That's right, because of Josh Allen. When we have conversations right now about the MVP, of course you're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. Does Josh Allen's name belong in that conversation as well? He was amazing, despite the Rams rallying to come back yesterday. He had five total touchdowns, four through the air, through for 311 yards, plus he rushed for one. His accuracy, 72.7% of his passes, and I just continue to be impressed by what we're seeing out of Josh Allen, Randy. Michelle, we are seeing the next Cam Newton. I know that sounds like hyperbole. But the guy has put himself in that conversation. Uh, He passed for, as you mentioned, passed for 311. In the first three games of the season, he has 1,038 passing yards with 10 touchdowns and a 124.8 rating. And he's been great in the fourth quarter. He's running for touchdowns. He is throwing for touchdowns. He's big. He He's great in the fourth quarter. I'm with you. He's got to be in that conversation of the really good quarterbacks in the league. Speaking of fourth quarter, probably should mention that with 15 seconds remaining, he threw a touchdown pass Mm -hmm. and was able to secure a 35-32 win over the Rams yesterday. Oh, by the way, a pass interference call, (laughs) a pass interference call that wasn't called, uh, uh, no, that was called, cost the Rams. So it set up... Buffalo, I think, first and goal at the three. And the Rams complained about it after the game. If if there are, if you're going to have a power ranking of teams that should not complain about pass interference calls in the NFL, wouldn't the Rams be number 32? Have some self-awareness. Okay? Yeah, have come on, some, like you a say, read the room. Read the room. No one is going to feel bad for you in that moment. About pass interference about calls? About pass interference, no way. <laughs> Especially the Saints. Do you think the Saints yeah. fans are saying... Give me a break. Yeah, New Orleans are like, okay, cool. <laughs> Continue complaining. That's four downs on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman back with Take It or Leave It. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We have Take It or Leave It 
coming up. And the Cardinal game on Wednesday will be seen on ESPN2 at 4 o'clock. So mark your calendars. Yeah. So be ready. If you're working at home, just click out at, what, 3.55 or so. Maybe you want to get there for the pregame show, 3.30. Maybe you want to be ready for game action. Maybe you just want to start watching early. Maybe that's a good day just to have the boss think you're working from home, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but really you're watching baseball. What's the play to say, oh, the camera isn't working on my Zoom, or you just put up the face, you know? Yeah, you just put up the face. You that's just a great put up play. The face. Yeah, I, just you, listen. Yeah, just listen. You got the, just throw those headphones in, uh, occasionally unmute and say, mm-hmm, like that, Roger, that sounds great, and then mute it back, <laughs> right. watch the game. <laughs> 65780, that is our text line number. Michelle, Richard Justice at MLB.com has ranked all 16 MLB playoff teams in mm-hmm. lineup, rotation, bullpen, and defense. He has the Cardinal lineup rated 11th of the 16 teams. He has the rotation rated 14th of the the 16 teams. He has the Cardinal bullpen ranked 12th and their defense ranked 1st. Take it or leave it. The biggest surprise there is the Cardinal rotation being ranked 14th rather than the lineup being ranked number 11. Take it. I physically reacted when you said that. I thought they would get a lot more respect than that. Me too. And maybe it's because of the fact that Flaherty hasn't had the great Mm -hmm. year that they protected their starters. But, and he mentioned Ponce de Leon. You give me Flaherty, Wainwright, KK, Ponce, I actually feel pretty good about that group. So do I. That's surprising. That really is. By the way, take it or leave it. Uh, Carlos Martinez is on the Cardinal postseason roster. Oh, Ooh. no, he can't. He's hurt. I'm sorry. My bad. I was going to say. He's hurt. I thought you were going to say, take it or leave it. He's with the team next year. Um, I think he is. I think he's probably an untradeable asset at this point. Wow. Who's going to want him? You 10 million bucks? Yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So I, I think that they prepare him as a starting pitcher again next year. Ugh. That's a ride I don't want to go back on. No, you know, I don't either. that's like when you know when you get you get off a roller coaster and you're like, Whew, that was a mistake. But I think the skipper likes him. Or do you think the skipper realizes that they're going to just continue to play this yeah, hand because they have to play this stuck hand with it? Yeah, yeah, that could be it too. Which I think is even another reason that I'm more impressed with with Mike Schultz because mentally. They could be having, I don't know what the conversations are internally with the Cardinals about Carlos Martinez. They could be as frustrated as we are saying, hey, you know what? When someone continues to show you who they are, believe them. them. And with Carlos Martinez, we know that he's a guy who has a lot of potential. We've seen flashes of it. But for one reason or another, physical, mental, etc., he can't seem to put it all together consistently for a season. And they have to, at this stage of the game, be pretty frustrated with that. But... To say, hey, we're going to continue to, you know, for lack of a better term, massage the ego, tell him, get him to the place he needs to be mentally to potentially maximize what we can out of him is a testament to them. Because I think I would play the power card and be like, you know what? I'm done with you. Yeah. And I, I do think what they need to do going into next season, they'll have a dozen pitchers to prepare for starting. And that includes Reyes, Helsley, Cabrera, um, that group, Ponce will be in that group. So what you do is, you and Michael is coming back, maybe. That's right. So you say, okay, we're, we know four of the guys we're going to have if Michaelis is healthy. Flaherty, Wayno, KK, I assume Wayno will be back, and uh, Michaelis. You're battling for that fifth starter's job. That's what you tell them. Okay, Randy, I have one for you. I think Peter Burns had this stat on Twitter. 
LeBron James has gone to more NBA finals than 27 NBA franchises. Only the Celtics, Lakers, and Warriors have more NBA Finals appearances than LeBron. Think about that for a second, okay? So as LeBron heads to another NBA Finals, Randy, take it or leave it. If he wins this year, you feel comfortable saying that he's surpassed Michael Jordan. I'm going to leave it only because Michael did will his team to victory and did never lose a final. He... he he was 6-0 and in the finals. The fact that LeBron hasn't been able to will his team to victory, and I know they're extenuating circumstances, and I know it seems kind of unfair, and what he's done is unbelievable, but I can't make him put him ahead of Michael Jordan. The consistency that we've seen out of him is amazing. Some of the teams that he's been able to bring mm-hmm. to that point, I don't know if Michael has ever had to deal with some of the groups that LeBron has had right. to deal with. And then you put this season on top of it, having to play in the bubble, be away from your fan family for ex- extended periods of time, deal with with everything that they've dealt with this season. I don't know. I think there's more factors leading into that conversation now than ever. In terms of physical gifts, LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. I, I, it's really hard for me to put one ahead of the other. It really is. It, it's a quandary. I, I don't know how you pick one. So I, I'm going to be, because we're here to make a take, I'm going to be the guy that says, uh, Michael never lost to finals. So I'm gonna, <laughs> That's the I'm only gonna... argument you have to make, too, by the way. That's the <laughs> only argument you have to make. <laughs> I'm going to go with Michael. but uh, So I'm, I'm going to leave it. Man, we are lucky to have been able to watch LeBron James since 2004, right? 16 years? It's a long time. Yeah, pretty phenomenal. Uh, we appreciate your texts, and Tanner is here. Tanner, what do you got for us? From the 812, St. Louis is the only team to escape the wild card round, and they're the only team, or excuse me, they're the only team from the Central to escape the wild card round. I think I'm going to leave that, uh, although you got four teams. Milwaukee probably doesn't beat the Dodgers. I'm going to take the Cubs over Miami. And I think the Reds probably beat Atlanta. I think the Reds pitching is going to be the difference in that series. So you think three of four? I think three of four, yeah. Okay, I'm going to leave it two, and I'm going to say two of four. And I'm going to go Cardinals and Cubs. I'm going to go Cardinals and Cubs in advance. Yeah. Atlanta sure can hit, but man, their pitching is. As a matter of fact, in that Richard Justice piece I told you about, the Atlanta pitching was, the rotation was rated number 16. Yikes. So we talked about Mitchell Trubisky during four downs and how he found his uh, normal spot on the bench again. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it, Trubisky is the star of the Battlehawks next year in the XFL. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to take that he's the star, or leave that he's the star. I'm going to take that he's the quarterback. Of the Battlehawks? Yep. Oof. That would be, you know, because there are some Bear, some Bears fans in town. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would like that too much. Roger our, would not. We get our Battlehawks back, and then, the, you know, you go for, from Jordan Tamu to, oh, Mitchell Trubisky. By the way, Jordan is with us at 915, of Jordan of the Chiefs. Can't wait to talk to Jordan. Um, you know what? I'm going to leave it because I think some team, I don't know who, but I think some team will say, eh, back up. Somebody in the NFL, Carolina Panthers or something. Maybe. Yeah, someone in the NFL. Take it or leave it. Dan Quinn should have woke up today to a voicemail saying he was fired. (laughs) Oh, thank you for the text, Stalter. 
<laughs> Poor Anthony. Yeah. I can't help. I don't mean to laugh because I feel his pain, but it's it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I'll take it. I don't even think it would be a voicemail. I think it would just be a text. Clear <laughs> out your office. Yeah. See you later. Yeah. And they do have guys on that staff. I think Raheem Morris is their defensive coordinator that could take over as their head coach. Take it or leave it. Harrison Bader's home run off of Fredbert's painting will be the best home run of his career. I'm going to leave that. You think he's going to have a more high-profile home yep, run? I'm, I'm, I'm buying in with you. I am going to leave it, too. Although this might be, when he looks back on his career, I would say one of the more memorable home runs. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. Coming up on 101 ESPN, was yesterday the last time Yadier Molina dons the Cardinals' birds on the bat at Bush Stadium? It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today. It's 8.03 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Carriker and Smallman with you. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And the Cardinals are on their way to the postseason again. Yadier Molina on his way to the postseason again. And Michelle, Dan brought it up over the course of the weekend about how this could have been the last weekend at Bush Stadium for Yadier Molina in a Cardinal uniform. He and Rick talked about it throughout the the weekend on FS Midwest and both expressed confidence that Yadi would be back. I haven't le- even allowed myself to go there to to consider the idea that Yadi or Molina might not be back. I haven't either. It's just in my mind a foregone conclusion that he'll be back next season. That being said, after the game he was asked about it yesterday and he thinks that there is a chance that it was his last Cardinal game at Bush. Yeah, it was in my mind. That's why I hear triple play. So everything that, <laughs> that, that thing I, I never done before here. So I was like, why now don't do it? So yeah, it was in my mind, you know, like, but no, I mean, at the same time, you, you just want to come back in the postseason. Hopefully we get fun on the, on the stadium. If they're working out, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. But uh, I'm looking forward to come back here here in the postseason. First of all, he did hit into a triple play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing that that would have possibly been his last Cardinal play. <laughs> but I, I try to look at this, Michelle, from the Cardinals' perspective, from a baseball and a PR and an emotional perspective, and I try to look at it from Yachty's perspective. And the only way I can see that he would leave or should leave is if they can't come to a financial agreement, which should not be difficult. But from a baseball perspective, it makes sense for the betterment of the Cardinal Young pitching to have Yadier Molina here. Certainly from a public relations perspective, he's the most popular Cardinal. His jerseys, the number four, are all over the place. From an emotional perspective, he spent his career from 2004 until now basically making the playoffs. I believe he's missed the playoffs seven times in 16 years, made the playoffs nine times. I guess now it's 10 in 17 years. I, I just don't see 
a good reason for him to not be here. Do you think there's any other catcher that the Cardinals have in their system that could outplay Yachty or Molina right now? Certainly not. Not in terms of being able to manage the game from behind home plate. One of the things that Ted Simmons talks about is, that, and when we had him on, he said he can be your catcher, mm-hmm. he can be your pitching coach, he can be your manager all at the same time. And he kind of is. And if the Cardinals, if if they think that this is a power play, then they have to succumb. If they think that we don't want a guy around anymore because he's in charge of our organization and he decides that when he wants to play, then you just say, we'll deal with that. But it's better for us to have him around. Do you think the success that Adam Wainwright's had coming back might in any way influence their decision with Yachty? Because... I think a lot of people thought, okay, Wainwright coming back one year, we'll see what he can give you. And then he comes mm-hmm. back and he's the ace of your team. And he provides you the boost that you need uh, on the field, off the field, everything this season. And Yadier Molina has been right there with him every step of the way doing that for the Cardinals this year. And not only do you not have somebody that you say, okay, this is the clear cut. This guy's going to outplay Yadier Molina, heir apparent, ready to go. He's providing value for you on so many different levels on this team. And I think if you're looking at the way that they've evaluated the Adam Wainwright situation, those same evaluators are going to look at Yadier Molina and probably feel comfortable bringing him back for whatever financial agreement they they come to for next season. I do think that the way he handles Wainwright and has for years has to be factored into this because those two are a tandem. They Mm -hmm. go together. I also think that the way he handled all those pitchers that nobody had ever heard of, the Cardinals won a lot of those games. Yeah, And he's basically teaching those guys how to be major league pitchers and guiding them through situations that they shouldn't be in. That's got to be the factor. But at the end of the day, don't the Cardinals have to ask themselves, are we a better team without Yadier Molina? When they make this decision, are we better with or without Yadier Molina? I don't see a scenario in which... You can, unless you're going to sign JT Real Muto, which they aren't, I don't see a scenario in which they can say they would be better next year without Yachty. And that's removing the emotions from this. And then you yeah. do have the emotional side of this, too, where you think about the fact that there were no fans there. And that that's just, in my mind, cannot be the way that Yadier Molina has his final game at Bush Stadium with with eerie silence and pumped in fan noise, that just cannot be the way that it ends, especially with the way that he's he's playing for you and the value that he still provides you. And I just, I think about the Cardinals and what they probably think long-term, and that's not a relationship that you want to fracture in any way. Now, if it gets to a certain point where he's not playing at a level that you want and he still wants to play and feels like he has options elsewhere, okay, then you can have that conversation. But this is a guy that you want to be in the Cardinal organization one way or another when he's done playing. And you know that that Yachty is a guy that has a lot of pride and, and you, you want to have those respectful conversations with him and I think right now he's saying to himself I know what I still have and I hope that you agree and show me that you agree with a deal he's played 18 years in the major leagues and this will be postseason number 11 yeah it's gonna be a special it's gonna be it's already is I mean right now we we got some young guys over here that make the uh, major league debut and right now they're gonna go experience the first postseason 
Um, so it's, it's going to be special right now for, for them, for me, and for uh, the people here in San Luis, too. I mean, it's going to be a fun, fun postseason because uh, there is a lot of team, good teams there. Um. So what it comes down to here is he's got a chance to help you win again in the postseason. There's obviously monetary value there. The Cardinals didn't have any fans this year. That hurts them. He's coming off of a two-year or a three-year, sixty million dollar contract. He's making twenty a year. I wonder if he recognizes that the revenue that the Cardinals have generated in the past wasn't there because of the lack of tickets sold. If he would be willing to sign for less, do you give him a two-year deal for thirty million rather than forty? Do you think that'd be something he would be willing to take? I would hope so. I would hope so too. And I wonder if anybody, any other team, is going to offer a. Uh, soon to be 39 year old catcher that much money over two years and not only that more than any player we may have ever covered this is a guy that wants to win and he Mm -hmm. especially at this stage in his career i don't know if just the money would be enough to attract him somewhere else the money sure is a sign of respect but depending on the organization that would offer him does he really at this stage of the game want to go to another organization have to learn all of these different things yes he's Yadier Molina so he would command respect but it's never going to be the same as it is here in St. Louis and in that clubhouse where his fingerprints are all over everything as you mentioned he's a de facto manager he's a de facto pitching coach he essentially has carte blanche to mm-hmm. do what he wants here and I don't know how that would necessarily play elsewhere and that has value in it for him as well. A couple of texts and we appreciate those at 65780 the Air Comfort Service text line. This one from Lisa in the 618. Guys, I want Yadi back, but they have to get more offense. And that can come from either getting a third baseman or an outfielder. They definitely need more offense in the outfield. Dylan Carlson's going to be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Fowler's, for better or worse, going to be one of those guys. So you do need somebody perhaps to play left field and Maybe Bader does have it, the magical postseason. <laughs> Don't you think Arenado's going to handle that? Um, we'll see. It's going to be <laughs> okay. interesting. And the question, uh, question from the 636, would you give both Yachty and Wayno two more years? I think Wayno's yeah, on a year-to-year proposition personally. I, uh-huh. I think he evaluates at the end of every season. So I think you can go year-to-year with Wainwright. But the way he's pitched now, last year and this year, I have no problem with giving him two. I think Yachty is pretty well set on playing two more years, so you give him the two-year deal. So you think they're both back for two more seasons with the Cardinals? I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe the Cardinals go to Yachty and say, hey, we're only going to do one. And maybe that would be the problem that sends him out the door. But if I were in their shoes, and as long as he understands the financial limitations not limitations, the financial realities of the Cardinals not selling tickets. Restrictions. Yeah. As long as he understands those and he, he'll go 2 and 25, we got a text about that, 2 and 30, then yeah, I'm totally on board with giving him two more years. I can imagine that conversation would be pretty transparent, that there wouldn't be a lot of posturing between both sides. No. You know, they know each other. He knows the desire from each side mm-hmm. is probably very transparent. And I, I imagine the Cardinals say, hey, we want you back. Here's what we can offer. You're a smart guy. You can understand the, the financial hit that we've taken this season. But this, we, we want to make sure that you feel comfortable with this. Where else is his brother going to be the broadcaster? 
See, there's some advantages, inherent advantages right. in St. Louis. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And the, that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Next up, Jeffrey Chadia of NFL.com will join us. Talk about week three in the NFL next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. And we have Monday Night Football. Tonight, you've got the Chiefs and Ravens pregame at 6.30 for Monday Night Football here on 101 ESPN. And here we are in week three, and this will be the Monday Night Game of the Year. Let's go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Jeffrey Chidea of NFL.com, kind enough to join us. He's a senior columnist, also does work for NFL Network. Jeffrey, thanks for taking some time in St. Louis this morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's start with this. Am I right in saying that this is the Monday night game of the year tonight? I think a lot of people would agree with you on that one. Uh, it's hard to imagine one being better. I, I believe these are the two best teams in the in the league right now, two teams that should end up in the AFC championship game and competing for a championship and, and obviously the last two MVPs. Um, so it's hard to, to say it's not the best matchup because it's hard to have all that stuff going on in any kind of game. Jeffrey, if we're having a conversation about the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, do you throw Josh Allen's name into the mix? I, I think you have to now. I, I think Josh Allen's in the mix now. I think Kyler Murray, despite what happened yesterday with the Lions, is in that conversation now. It, it's kind of crazy because it almost felt like blasphemy two months ago to start talking about this kind of topic without mentioning Drew Brees or Tom Brady, uh, but when you watch those guys play, they they, they seem kind of antiquated compared to uh, the, the newer model of quarterback that's out there now. And and Josh Allen, the way he started the season, I think just the numbers alone really tell you what he's doing because I think uh, you know every week it's like they throw out all these crazy stats about yards and touchdowns and interceptions and how only a handful of guys are doing what he's done over the last three weeks. And Kyler Murray certainly has raised the, the play of Arizona, but I, I, I'm a big fan of Josh Allen right now because a lot of people thought he was not going to be what he is, and he's been tr- tremendous so far. Jeffrey Chidea of NFL.com on 101 ESPN. And Jeffrey, you mentioned Breeze, who, from my untrained eye, it looks like he can't throw the deep ball anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he also can't can't throw it as well without Michael Thomas playing, no. playing in the lineup, which is, uh, you know, we wondered about that for a long time, like how they would uh, – would do if he ever went down or was was lost and and uh, i think drew Brees without michael thomas is a big issue for the new orleans saints right now and and we saw this with tom brady last year in new england it's always look it's great to have these quarterbacks who want to play until they're 40 or beyond 40 but the reality of it is that you're, you're really flirting with disaster because you don't know when they're going to go off a cliff we saw peyton manning go through the same thing in denver where their skills can 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 erode pretty quickly and I always go back to something Steve Young told me when I was a young beat writer in San Francisco, and he said the problem with being a quarterback as you get into your late 30s is you you know so much, you've seen so much that the game is is it's so slow. You can do you can do just about anything you want to do, but your body uh, <laughs> hasn't been able to keep up, <laughs> and, right. and that's kind of what the battle you're seeing Drew Brees fight now. <laughs> I was wondering last night if they would have recovered the onside kick if they put in Taysom Hill to throw the hail mary. You know what? It, it, it's 
Taysom Hill is getting a lot more run, less as a gadget player and more as a quarterback dropping back and trying to make throws. Now, I think he has some limitations in terms of how he read, how quickly he reads stuff. But um, I, I think I heard Rex Ryan talking about this on, on Get Up this morning where he said they need to start running the football more, take some pressure off Drew Brees. And, and I do believe that. Sean Payton is prone to getting so caught up in all this, you know, getting the lab and doing all this genius stuff and all these personnel and packages and formations that you forget that you get your offense going somehow. And you go back three years ago when they really started getting on this run, when they really became good, they had Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara and they ran the ball more consistently and they got their offense going. If they can do that, maybe they get Drew Brees playing better and get their offense going. Jeffrey, a lot of people this morning trying to make sense of some of the regressions that you're seeing with Carson Wentz. When you look at him, what are you seeing? What are the issues there? Well, I think one thing that, that to me is pretty noticeable is that just the, the weapons around him aren't as good as people think they are. I mean, uh, I think last year he was able to do some some pretty uh, amazing things with a lot of injuries around him, with Sean Jackson going down, Sean Jeffrey being hurt. and I just thought like every time I see a highlight of him, he's either throwing the football to, to uh, Zach Hertz or, or Greg Ward. <laughs> you know, and Greg Ward was a, a practice squad guy a year ago. And so I just don't feel like some of these guys they've drafted was Jalen Rieger or uh, some of the guys on the outside have, have really stepped up and, and made life easier for him. And I think he presses. I think that's always been – sort of a knock on him is that he's the kind of quarterback who comes to the line of scrimmage and wants to do all these things and make all these things happen. And sometimes he won't play within the offense, which is why Nick Foles became such a big fan favorite down there and, and did well because he did what the coaches told him to do. I think that ultimately they either have to figure out how to put better players around him or get him to play more within the offense. Jeffrey Chidea, tonight obviously we're going to lose an unbeaten team, but of the teams that are 3-0, and you've got Buffalo, Seattle, Green Bay, the Titans, Steelers, and Bears. And I think we can leave the Bears out of this conversation of the teams that have impressed you, the team that has impressed you most among the others that aren't the Ravens or the Chiefs. Oh, that's a good question. You know, I would say the Seahawks. Uh, I, I thought the Seahawks would um, would not be what they are because they've never played offense the way they're playing offense right now. And I know all the let's get Russ cooking stuff and, you know, the, you know, free Russ, uh, you know, the movement in Seattle, but he is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And that's a heck of a statement to make when you're talking about the guy in Kansas city or the guy in Baltimore. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he's got 14 touchdown passes now and he is, he is putting, nobody throws a better deep ball in this league than Russell Wilson does right now. I've never seen him overthrow anybody. <laughs> beyond <laughs> right. 40 yards. Yeah. Um, and so he's throwing the guys who aren't, you know, DK Metcalf is a nice player. Tyler Lockett is a nice player. Those aren't Julio. That's not Julio Jones out there. That's not Deshaun, DeAndre Hopkins out there. And so he's making players better. Uh, that defense isn't that good, but they're going out there and scoring 30 points a game, and he's dominating um, in a division that, is, to me, is pretty tough. And you're cool with me leaving the Bears out of that group, right? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that is totally fine. Yeah, trust me. I'm not getting on that bandwagon just yet. Well, speaking of that, Jeffrey, do you think that Mitchell Trubisky, barring injury, that his time is done in Chicago? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was done when I, when I got Nick Foles. And, and that was just, um, you know, I think they only let him start because he's, you know, he was drafted as high as he was in the GM is attached to him and they wanted to give him an opportunity to, you know, to, to try to rebound in some ways. But, um, you know, when you make that kind of move, 
this early in the season on a team that was undefeated. It wasn't like that game was going to wreck their entire season, but they felt as if they had to win that game, um, that uh, Trubisky was putting them in a position to lose that game. And they've never really been able to figure him out. Um, I, I think a couple of years ago, they had some kind of momentum going there where they were able to use him in the way that Buffalo used Josh Allen last year and Baltimore used Lamar Jackson, let him use his legs a little more, more design runs. But once defenses figured that out, um, there was no plan B. And unfortunately for him, he came out in a draft that had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes in it. And so, be honest, I, I think he could go somewhere else and have success. I think he has tools, but I just feel like in Chicago, they've already decided what their future is, and it's not going to be him. And let's talk about the team on the other end of that and the Atlanta Falcons. It feels like death, taxes, the Falcons blow a big lead. <laughs> <laughs> what is the yeah. deal with Atlanta? Well, I, I think that you talk about Mr. Trubisky being done. I have to imagine that Arthur Blank is thinking long and hard about whether Dan Quinn can take this team to the next level because you can't have that many blown leads over not just this year but over the course of his career and not be thinking, well, maybe he's just not a closer. Maybe he's just not somebody. Maybe he's one of those guys that get guys amped up and excited, but when it comes to execution and making the plays down the stretch and putting guys in the right position, maybe that's not his, his, his forte. And, you know, they've had a lot of assistant coaches come in and out of that place since they had their Super Bowl year a couple of years ago or three years ago. Coordinators on offense and defense, special teams. And the only constant has been Dan Quinn. And, yeah, it, it is baffling. I think it's it's I think it's legendary now. I don't think anybody's ever or historic. I don't think anybody's ever blown as many leads as this team has in two games in the fourth quarter than than Atlanta has. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that I think part of the problem is they're so offensive oriented um, that they don't know how to close out games. I think their defense, the secondary especially, is really bad at tackling. You saw that last uh, last night against Chicago, and they've never really found the pass rush to to make things tough on quarterbacks so i think it's a variety of things hey jeffrey if they would get rid of quinn they have a couple of guys that have been nfl head coaches in dirk cutter and raheem morris both ironically coaches in tampa bay same thing with the jets they have guys that are capable of replacing adam Gase. do you think we see in-season moves with those two teams oh yeah i think you know uh especially with the jets i mean they're they're really um just falling apart and some of that look they traded away jamal adams they lost C.J. Mosley to an opt-out, uh, their best linebacker, one of their best defenders uh, when COVID um, was a, when, back in training camp when COVID was being offered to people. So, uh, yeah, I think that um, – I think Gase is the likeliest person to go uh, just because they've looked so so futile. Um, I think, But I think Dan Quinn, the way he's going right now, is, is giving him a run for his money. And by the way, Greg Williams is a great interim head coach. He's The media yeah. loves him. So that would be a logical fit to, to elevate him when, oh, yeah. when, when Gase gets it, right? Yeah, that's right. He is the, the, the lifetime uh, interim coach candidate. He's always <laughs> the guy that steps in. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? right. That's, that's Greg Williams' uh, role in the NFL. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're right. He'd, he'd be perfect for that. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a great day. That's Jeffrey Chidea of NFL.com. You can see him on NFL Network. Yeah, I want uh, Greg Williams, who's a Missouri native. I think he still lives here in St. Louis during the offseason. I'd like to see him get another shot at being a head coach. He's been in an interim with Washington, with the uh, Browns, and somewhere else. Oh, 
No, I think that's it. But he's done a good job as an interim head coach. He's, it's a shame that he had that one shot in Buffalo and has never really gotten another opportunity to be a full-time head coach. I'd like to see it. I really would. And, and he and the New York media would love each other. Oh, that's true. They would, definitely. Yeah. Coming up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.36. It's time for the fight. As you heard the big voice say, the undisputed king of the fight is Randy Carragher, but his opponent is Jonathan. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? I'm ready. All right, awesome. Well, let's get it going. Question number one for you, Jonathan. With yesterday's win over the Brewers, the Cardinals clinched the play, a playoff berth. How many appearances will the Cardinals have once the series is started on Wednesday? So let me rephrase that. How many playoff appearances will the Cardinals have once the series is started on Wednesday? So including 2020. 29, 30, or 31? We'll do 30. Jonathan Harrison Bader hit a monster home run off of Fred Bird's painting in Big Mac <laughs> Land in yesterday's game. Where did Bader play college baseball at? Was it Florida State? The University of Florida or Miami? Florida State. Okay, Jonathan, question number three. Which Power Five conference has not participated in the national championship game since the college football playoff began in 2015? Is it the ACC, the Big 12, or the Pac-12? The Pac-12. And last one, Jonathan, who is the oldest head coach in the NFL? Is it Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, or Bruce Arias? Pete Carroll. Okay, checking score here. Hmm. We have a discrepancy on the score here. Uh-oh. <laughs> we'll, we'll, go, we'll run through it. It All depends right. on what Randy has. Okay, Randy, say good morning to Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Randy? Doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right, Randy, question number one. Mm-hmm. Yesterday's win over the Brewers, the Cardinals clinched, clinched a playoff berth. Mm-hmm. How many appearances, playoff appearances, will the Cardinals have once the series is started on Wednesday? So including this year. Playoff appearances all time? Yes. Does this So this is playoffs and not World Series? Correct. Okay. So you've had 11, obviously, since 04. And before 04, you had 82, 85, 87, 96. Uh, 01, 02, and then 04. So uh, 17. 17 playoff appearances before they had playoffs. But obviously, you had that would be a different number. But just playoff appearances without World Series, because obviously it was just the World Series before 1969. So that's my answer. Is 17? 17, yeah. Randy Harrison Bader hit a monster home run off of Fred Bird's painting in Big Mac Land in yesterday's game. 
Where did Harrison Bader play college baseball at? Florida. Randy, which Power 5 conference has not participated in the national championship game since the college football playoff began in 2015? Well, you've had Ohio State, and you've had Clemson, and you've had, uh, obviously, Alabama several times, and you've had Oklahoma. So that would leave leave the Pac-12 out of it. Because, yeah, Oklahoma gets beat every year. Uh, So I'm going to go with the Pac-12. And Randy, who is the oldest head coach in the NFL? I think Bill Belichick is older than Vic Fangio. So I'm going to go with Belichick. We've got a winner. We have a winner and new champion, Average Joe Listener. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Congratulations, Jonathan. You beat Randy. We have... We All have, right. Who, Jonathan, who did you say was the oldest head coach in the NFL for number four? Do you remember who your pick was? I picked Pete Carroll. Okay, so you beat Randy two to one. We wanted Great. to make sure that we had that correct. All right, <laughs> so let's run through the answers here. Um, with yesterday's win over the Brewers, the Cardinals have clinched their 30th uh, playoff series. That, According to this sheet that I have in front of me. Oh, playoff series and not... What was the question again? How many years? It's a years? very confusing question. With yesterday's win over the Brewers, the Cardinals clinched the playoffs. How many appearances will the Cardinals have once the series started Wednesday? Okay, so uh, playoff appearances. So it's 82, 85, 87, 96, 01, let, oh no, 2000, 01, 02, 04, uh, 05, 06, then they missed in 07, 08, 09, missed in 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, uh, 15, and then missed in 16, 17, 18, 19. So it'll be eight, it'll be 18 a year, 18 appearances in the playoffs for the Cardinals. Prior, what about prior to that though? Well, that that was just the World Series. That wasn't the playoffs. There I were think no they playoffs. Might have, I think that might be counted in this answer. Okay. Take it up with Scott. But, Take it up with Scott. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so Harrison Bader with that monster home run off of the painting in Big Macland yesterday. He played college baseball at the University of Florida. He was a third-round draft pick in 2015. Um, which Power 5 conference has not participated in the national championship game since the college football playoff began? That would be the Big 12. Oklahoma has lost in the semifinal the last three years. And the oldest head coach in the NFL is Pete Carroll. He's 69 years old. Thank you, Jonathan, for playing. We will talk to you tomorrow. Congratulations. All right. Thanks very much. Have a good one. All right, Jonathan. Thank you very much. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN, where it's 842 (laughs) and what? (laughs) I feel like you are going to have an issue with this. It was a a confusing question. It was. Well, if if you just, all you have to do is postseason appearances. I know. I know. It's not playoff. If you just do, it's not your fault. You didn't write it, but it's, (laughs) it's, it's post- it's clear if it's postseason because before 1969, there were no playoffs. It was just the World Series. You just made so, it to the World Series. Yep. Tim Kirkchin of ESPN is next to talk playoff baseball on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, great to have you with us. And always great to go to the 
Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when standing by is ESPN's Tim Kirkjian at playoff time. And Tim is with us now. Tim, good to have you with us. How are you this morning? Um, well, I can't can't wait till tomorrow. It's going to start potentially one of the craziest Octobers we've ever seen and certainly the busiest October we've ever seen. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that we're here and we're still playing. <laughs> let's, let's hope we have another month left in us and finish this off. This has to be your favorite time of year, right? Not even close. There is nothing, <laughs> nothing is better than October baseball. Now, I'm hopelessly biased about this, but it's even better this year given how difficult it has been to get to this point. This is now like the reward that for all the jobs that everybody did to keep everyone safe and get to this point. Now, I think it's time to just sit back and relax and watch. 16 teams play the playoffs. Phenomenal stories all around Major League Baseball this year. Tim, I want to get a reading from you on how you would feel if your favorite team, i.e. the Cardinals, had finished 14th in the league in runs and the American League leader in home runs was a former Cardinal and the National League leader in home runs was a former Cardinal. Look, it's a miracle the Cardinals are in the playoffs. (laughs) Given what you just said, and given that there was zero chance in my mind that they would ever play 58 games this year, and they could have easily played 60 with two more today. It's a miracle that no team since 1945 has ever even attempted what the Cardinals had to go through in order to get to this point. And not only did they get through the season, which was a big question at one point, they made the playoffs. So it's a real tribute to everyone in that organization that somehow they pulled it together. Granted, they got some help and a 60 game season really helped, but they made it and they deserve all the credit in the world for that. And they have pretty darn good starting pitching, which uh, gives you a chance in any series, especially a short one. Tim, how do you think the Cardinals match up with the Padres? What do you think could be the big X factor in that series? Well, I think it comes down to the injuries with the pitching staff for the Padres. If the Nelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger are not able to pitch, or if they do pitch and they're not healthy 100%, I think that changes the equation. Those guys are really good, and they have swing and miss stuff. But if they're not right because of those bicep injuries, then I think that gives the Cardinals – more than a real chance to win that series because of the starting pitching the Cardinals have. But I think I know that the Padres are a better team when they're a hundred percent healthy, but they also haven't been in the playoffs for a while. The Cardinals granted have been away for a while, but they've got some really tested guys on their team led by the catcher. So I think it's a toss up series, but I think it comes down to Lamette and Clevenger. Exactly. What are they going to get? If anything, out of either one of those guys. Tim, you also have four NL Central teams, the Cardinals, the Brewers, the Cubs, and the Reds that are in the postseason this year. Which teams from that group do you think survive in advance? Uh, I think the Cubs are going to beat the Marlins, even though the Marlins are an even bigger, more miraculous story than the Cardinals. But, you know, the, the, the Cubs have really good starting pitching. When you can go Darvish, Hendricks, and Lester in any series, you have a chance. And even though they've been a horrendous offensive team for most of the season, they just scored 25 runs in three games 
against the White Sox. Uh, Chris Bryan, who had two homers and five RBIs coming into the weekend, had two homers and six RBIs over the weekend, and now he's angry about the way he's been treated. And sometimes it's good to get a really angry guy out there, and maybe he brings some guys along with him. So I like the Cubs. Um, to advance in their series. And, of course, like everyone else, I love the Reds starting pitching uh, with that big three that no one wants to face. But they're going to Atlanta, and the Braves have a Thunder 1 through 9 in that order. So that's going to be a fascinating series. Yeah, it seems to me, Tim, as if the the Cardinals-Padres uh, series and the, the Reds-Braves series are kind of similar. The Braves have some injuries with their starting pitching as well. Those teams are both heavily offensive-oriented, and the Cards and Reds, like you said, both rely on really good starting pitching. Right, and that's why this should be so, so interesting. There's so many good matchups out there. You know, Indians and the Yankees is tremendous. But, you know, that that Reds-Braves, to me, is the most interesting one in the National League because who in, in postseason we usually look great starting pitching. That's how you win. But, you know, the four leading home run hitters, last I checked, in the National League in September were all on the Braves. And for Amazing. Ronald Acuna to be your third most dangerous hitter at the moment behind Freddie Freeman and former Cardinal Marcelo Zuna, uh, that, that just shows you how deep that lineup is in Atlanta. Speaking of great starting pitching, Tim, you have to bring up Clayton Kershaw on the Dodgers when you talk about the postseason. Do you think this is the year they get it done? Uh, I do, Michelle. They're they played over 700 baseball. Granted, it's only for 60 games, but they were clearly the best team in the National League and in the Major Leagues from day one. And I think Kershaw uh, has really had a comeback season, if that's the right word. He's throwing harder than he did in the previous two years. His, you know, his off-speed stuff is just ridiculously good. He's got all sorts of help in that rotation. And the Dodgers hit more home runs than any team in the major league. So nothing is certain in baseball, especially during this bizarre season we just finished. But I think the safest bet is the Dodgers are not only going to win the first round, they're going to the World Series from the National League. And I think, not like it matters, they're going to win their first World Series since 1988. Tim, there are teams, the Cardinals are one of them, the Yankees, I think the Dodgers, that really benefit from home field advantage. In a bubble, in this sort of a situation, can you think of a team that really does rely on the energy of their home crowd that might be negatively affected by not having fans in the stands? You know, the Dodgers would be the answer because they basically sell out every night. But I'm really torn on the no fans. Who does it benefit? Sometimes I think the young players need the energy of the crowd in order to get them going. And yet other people tell me they don't need the energy from anyone. There's so there's so much enthusiasm there to begin with. It's the veteran players that might need that boost. So I'm a little confused. I think the only team that isn't truly affected by in any way by no fans in the stands, I hate to say it, are the Rays. Right. <laughs> it's a pretty quiet building most of the time. They're used to playing without a lot of people there. So maybe they have a slight advantage from all that. Hey, I, I want to get your take because you've been around the game for such a long time and you've been around the Cardinals. We had Matt Holliday on a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about how that very first day he got traded to the Cardinals and walked into the clubhouse and put the jersey on. 
the culture just provided a different feel. And Mike Schilt talked yesterday about how we don't talk about making the playoffs because that's just a given and it's an expectation in our clubhouse. And obviously, as you mentioned, the last time the Padres won a playoff game, the Cardinals have played 44 playoff games since the last time the Padres won one against the Cardinals in 06. How much difference does that culture make of the, the expectation of winning? Well, I'm a big believer in all of that stuff. Some people aren't. I am. And, you know, when you're a St. Louis Cardinal and we're going back a few years and you see Red Shandy's in the clubhouse every day, and Lou Brock shows up here and there, and then Bob Gibson walks in. It sounds corny, but that stuff matters. When Stan Musial used to show up at the ballpark, how can you not look at him? And some of the others I mentioned say, boy, it's, it's tremendous pride playing for this organization. It's arguably the greatest organization in the history of the national league. And I think that stuff matters. I think when it sounds corny, but you put that Cardinal uniform on and the team is way bigger than you are. And Albert Poole is one of the greatest players I've ever seen. But when he left, what I gathered from St. Louis is we'll figure out how to win because we're the Cardinals. Nobody's bigger than our team. And I think that's what the players feel when they come play for the St. Louis Cardinals. You remember Bob Shirley, former Padre and Cardinal, who got traded here. And Bob Shirley once said, tradition in St. Louis is Stan Musial coming in the clubhouse to gladhand everybody. Tradition in San Diego is Nate Colbert coming in to sell you a used car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how it works. And I remember when Tony LaRusso, all kidding aside, won the World Series with the Cardinals for the first time. Bob Gibson came up and shook his hand and basically said, welcome to the club. Mm-hmm. That is a world championship in St. Louis. I was right there when this happened. And Tony, who was his decorated manager at that point, was on his way to the Hall of Fame anyway. The look on his face when Bob Gibson came up and told him, welcome to the club, I'll never forget it. That's how moved Tony La Russa was that the great Bob Gibson would welcome him in like that. That's what it means to play baseball in St. Louis. I love that story, Tim. Well, an organization that's seemingly on the other side of of the playoffs year after year is the Anaheim Angels. And to have Mike Trout miss the playoffs again and just to read his quotes about how they've got to get to the playoffs and how he talked about how this sucks. As somebody that loves baseball and that wants to see Mike Trout have opportunities on the biggest stage and in the biggest moments, it's it's frustrating that he doesn't really get that opportunity. So what do you think the Angels do in the offseason to get them to that position? Do you think that they are going to start to feel a sense of urgency? Well, if they haven't felt it yet, then they're not watching things because you can't have the best player in baseball who's been the best player in baseball for close to 10 years now. And it might be Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays come back to life here. and And he's so far done from being a great, great player. They have to get him back in the playoffs. They fired their general manager, Billy Epler, yesterday. They have to go on a new course here. They've started to rebuild that farm system, which is good. And even though they've spent an enormous amount of money on players over the last 10 years or so, they're going to have to go get a quality starting pitcher to lead that rotation. They've got some work to do for them to not make the playoffs in a 16-team playoff season, it's just not good enough when you have all the resources and all the star power of the Angels.
if you are desperate and willing to spend, is Dave Dombrowski a good gamble? Dave Dombrowski is always a good gamble, as long as you recognize what you're getting here. He is a master craftsman of building teams and building them quickly. And sometimes he spends a lot of money doing it and uses up his lot of prospects, but there's no debating. That guy has been a great general manager over the years, and I'm sorry, I'm 63 years old. I think a, a veteran hand running a team today is just as important, if not more important than ever. And Dave Dabrowski would be certainly an excellent choice in Anaheim. Tim Kirkchen, it's always great to hear your voice. Glad you're excited about the playoffs. Glad we're having the playoffs, and we always appreciate your time. Okay, thanks so much. See you. See you later. That is the great Tim Kirkchen of ESPN on 101 ESPN. Nobody loves baseball. As Tony would say, he's tied for first in terms of loving the game. Just talking baseball with him makes me more excited. Yeah, it's going to be so much fun. Next up, today's big thing. Who is this year's David Freeze for the Cardinals? We'll get that in, and we want your texts, maybe a mic drop or two. If you have a prediction on who's going to step up big and be the postseason hero for the Redbirds in 2020, that's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health Express Clinic at Walgreens. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. Nine oh four. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up in about fifteen minutes, we're going to talk to Jordan Tiamu, the former BattleHawks quarterback who is now a member of the Chiefs practice squad, and he imitated Lamar Jackson in practice last week. So Jordan will have some interesting insight on tonight's Monday Night Football game. I can't wait to find out all that entails becoming Lamar Jackson. How long do you have to to do this? How much tape did you have to watch? How did you mimic his movements? Because that's a difficult thing to do. I can't wait to find out about how he went about this. Cardinals off today. They'll open the playoffs on Wednesday in San Diego. And... To get to 60, the Cardinals would have had to play in Detroit a doubleheader today, Michelle. They would, Randy. And Trevor Bauer tweeted this, and I want to bring it to your attention. This was last night, I believe. Yeah, 8.34 p.m. He tweeted this. Can someone explain to me why the Cardinals aren't playing their games tomorrow? Honest question, not trying to troll anyone. I just don't understand it. I think that's a reasonable question, and I don't know the official answer to that either. Because if the Cardinals would go to Detroit and get swept, then they would have a record of 30 and 30. The Reds would be in second in the division. They would have the fifth seed with a record of 31 and 29. So it is a legit question. I would think that MLB A wants to avoid travel Mm -hmm. as much as possible. They don't want to have the Cardinals going from St. Louis to Detroit on a Sunday night and then Detroit to San Diego on a Monday night. The Tigers don't want to play. They have no interest. Their manager quit. Uh, they, they just, they're terrible. They, let's see, the, their record this year was 23 and 35, so they didn't get to 60 either. And it's almost impossible to believe that the Cardinals would not win a game in Detroit. They hold this tiebreaker over Cincinnati. And I, I think that that's probably the bottom line is that. With Detroit having no interest in MLB not wanting the Cardinals to travel, 
it's foolish to think that the Cardinals would go to Detroit and get swept. Yeah, if they're if they're in, it's probably in the best interest of baseball, in addition to everything that you just said too, to have the Cardinals get some rest. You you would yeah. imagine that baseball's thinking, all right, hey, if if they're in and we know that this is the way it's probably going to end up being set up anyway, give these guys a. a some some rest because it's going to be better for us. If Tigers players haven't made it home yet, they're on their way right now. They they already had their plans, and I guarantee you the Tigers would have had a bunch of running packed vehicles at Comerica Park <laughs> when that doubleheader started. They're just packed and ready to go. Yep. They're ta- they're having conversations in the dugout about vacation. <laughs> yes. Okay, Michelle six five seven eight zero. That's the text line. What? player can step up and do for the Cardinals what David Freeze did for the Cardinals in 2011 in becoming the National League Championship Series and World Series MVP. So if we're thinking about factors that go into the equation here, it has to be someone that people aren't really expecting. Mm -hmm. A younger guy, not a veteran guy. And somebody that has to get hot for an extended period of time. Right. Okay, my money's on Harrison Bader. Because I think despite what we saw out of him yesterday, a lot of people still aren't sold on him, and they would be surprised if he went on a David Freeze-type run. But I think you're seeing better at-bats from him. You know, Obviously, yesterday, big moment, a game that matters. He comes up big for you. He hits the painting, mm-hmm. Fredbert's painting, <laughs> for crying out loud. Um, I think he fits all of the criteria to be the, the David Freeze hero. And my, my second there might be Tommy Edmond. And you have texts, two texts that agree with both of your takes. Oh, really? From the 314. I wonder if Bader just lit his own fire. He might be the surprise hero. And this one from the 314, Tommy Edmond. He is as consistent as it gets, cool, calm, and collected. I think he'll have a big postseason. And playing out on the West Coast, too. The thing with Harrison Bader, too, is listening to him talk yesterday, how he approached yesterday saying, what can I do today to help my team? That's the right mentality that mm-hmm. you need to go into this, saying, okay, I need to do something to help us as a collective. So I would not be surprised if we see him get hot here in the postseason. Here's a text from the 636. Paul DeYoung has more two-out RBI than any Cardinal in 2020. The man has ice water in his veins, and he's made such awesome improvements this year. He will have a clutch home run to win a series. Love that. And you mentioned him earlier. I did. And... Uh, here's uh, one from the 314. Dylan Carlson for the win. That would be something. I'd like to see that. Okay, let me give you one. All right. Guy that you don't really have expectations for. Okay. But we know has the capability. How about Brad Miller? But given everything that you've seen out of him this season, would it surprise you? In the playoffs, it would. So... uh, I, I, because I because of what's happened in the last month, I don't have expectations. But if he steps up and he hits a home run in the NLDS and a couple in the CS and a couple in the World Series, then I wouldn't be surprised. Even though we've seen him do some He's capable some things this season, would that would that qualify as devil magic? Yes, it would. That'd be like Steve Pierce of the Red Sox a few years ago. Who the hell's uh, Steve Pierce is on their team? That's a, <laughs> that's what people would be asking around the country. They they got Brad Miller now? <laughs> and he 
Brad Miller's hitting home runs for the Cardinals? Oh, and they'd say, that's a classic Cardinals. Of course it's Brad Miller to come in and be the hero. Of course, that would drive, do you think it would drive people more crazy to have it be a guy like Tommy Edmond, who maybe the general baseball fan hasn't been as locked into, and it's a kind of an unsuspecting guy, but that the, the, it was with the Cardinals or a signing like Brad Miller, which do you think would annoy Cardinal haters more? Definitely Brad Miller because he's played for a bunch of teams and he's bounced around and hasn't been great. And, you know, the Cardinals kind of signed him not on a whim, but certainly at the last minute before spring training. And they say, well, that guy didn't play well for the Brewers and he didn't play well for the Reds. What what the hell? Why why do these guys go to St. Louis and play well? Yeah, I could see it. I really could see it. A lot of people, some people checking into Randy saying that Tyler O'Neill, they think he's going to pop off. I would love to see that. I would love to see him hit the ball. Yeah, that'd be, hit the ball. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and took a big walk yesterday. So anything's possible. It has happened before. This one from the 314, and this one crossed my mind, but I'm just, I don't know that he'll get the opportunities. What if Matt Carpenter has one last run? I hope so, but. Hope not. Cardinals would probably give him a five-year extension. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. I just don't think that Marp has it anymore to go on that sort of a run. But we've seen it in spurts with him. Mm -hmm. And all we need is one hot spurt. That sounded so weird when I said it. Yeah, it did. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't going to say anything, but since you did. As soon as I said it, it sounded weird. But you know what I mean. We just need him to go on one run where he gets hot. And, you know, we've seen it before. Just a small amount of time. Yeah. But, no, I'm not putting my money on it. No, I'm not. I'm not either. Uh, And this from the 217. Tired of hearing about Bader. He has one game, and you guys think he's something. He will never be a major league starter. Okay, the question was, who could be the surprise, surprise hero? hero. Yeah. I didn't say he's Paul Goldschmidt. He could be the surprise hero. What we're looking for is surprises. <laughs> People get so angry about Harrison Bader. <laughs> Thanks for your text. We do appreciate them. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we are going to visit with Jordan Tayamu, former Battlehawks quarterback, and now on the Chiefs practice squad. He's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Character, and we miss the St. Louis Battlehawks. Their quarterback, Jordan Tayamu, is now with the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad, and the Chiefs getting ready to take on the Ravens tonight on Monday Night Football. Jordan is on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Jordan, great to have you with us. How's everything going? Hi, uh, everything's going well. Thank you for asking. And Jordan, as as Randy mentioned, you have the Chiefs, the Ravens, and we know that you were tasked with simulating Lamar Jackson's game. You essentially had to be the stand-in for him. So can you tell us what that process was like? What went into you studying Lamar and essentially replicating or simulating his game? Yeah, um, so I've been watching Lamar for a long time, and um, Coach Reed wanted me to kind of run his style of offense and um, really go out there and just run around and make some plays happen. And um, just before practice, they'll show me a clip of him doing um, some read option stuff, which I love. So uh, as soon as I saw that, I, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. So um, they just showed me cards, what I needed to do during the practice. And uh, kind of went out there and trying to kind of uh, simulate Lamar Jackson, which is hard to do, but uh, did my best this week. What was the hardest part of his game to simulate, Jordan? Uh, just his speed, I guess. Uh, just being able to 
um, pull it, follow the lead blockers, and, and get upfield fast. And um, I, I thought I did a good job this week doing that, preparing our defense and uh, really scrambling around and just throwing on the run. So um, I think our defense is ready. Jordan, before the opener, did you do the same thing? Were you the scout team guy that simulated Deshaun Watson? Yes. Uh, uh, I'm mainly the, the practice squad guy, just uh, just going out there, just running around, doing doing what, uh, what I need to do. So me and Chad kind of like rotate and stuff, but uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm the main one out there just running around. Obviously, there's nothing like playing in a game, but how much do you think something like this can help you? Honestly, I think it helps me a lot just to be able to be out there with the number one defense and to really get a look and really go out there, practice my drops, work on my um, work on my throws, and um, that's that's how I kind of look at it. I kind of look at it as practice and just to get myself better. And I'm playing against the number one defense right now, and I think it's a it's the best feeling ever just being out there and um, just just grateful for the opportunity. But most of all, just getting better every day. Speaking of that defense, how could the Chiefs' defense contain a player that's as dynamic as Lamar Jackson? Yeah, so they uh, it's just working lateral, uh, working side to side, not uh, not going upfield fast just to get them. But I I say containing them, going side to side, um, sideline to sideline, and uh, they did a good job with me. Uh, when I went outside the pocket, they all all eleven kind of rushed towards that sideline and. Um, but uh, I think that's the that's the way to defend that guy is just running sideline to sideline and making sure to tackle because he's slippery. Jordan Tayamu, former Battlehawks quarterback, and now with the Chiefs with us on 101 ESPN. What's it like being in that uh, Chiefs quarterback room? You mentioned the veteran Chad Henney, but obviously Mahomes too. As a young quarterback walking yeah. in there, what's that like? It's, it's awesome just being able to learn behind Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney, Matt Moore is in there too. And uh, Coach Reed comes in there, stops by, and uh, just shares his knowledge with us. But just being in there is just an awesome feeling, just really learning a lot. Um, we got uh, Coach Mike Kafka as our quarterback coach. So um, just being the young guy in there, my job is just to really focus and really do what I need to do and get better every day. And that's that's what, that's what I plan to do is kind of learn and watch behind them. And um, it's just been an awesome time since I've been here. And Jordan, I'd have to believe that you're soaking up a lot mentally, whether it's mental reps or yeah. learning about reading defenses because you aren't in games like we've talked about. You're, you're simulating opposition quarterbacks, but you have to be learning an incredible amount of the, about the position. Yes, uh, I do everything what the quarterbacks room do, um, even though I'm on the practice squad. So I get in early just as they do and kind of learn the, learn the playbook inside and out before practice. And then uh, we we try to uh, memorize the plays um, before we go out there. Um, so once we hear the play, it just comes out nice and simple. And um, I think that's I think that's like the best thing ever. Is just really going in there early, like any quarterback does, and learn the offense inside and out, and do what I need to do. But uh, everything's been going well, and still learning, still growing, and just, there's a lot more room for that. Jordan, championship teams have usually a set culture and a set identity, and you can typically feel that when you walk into a championship building. Do you feel that when you're yeah. with the Chiefs? Did you feel that right away? Well, I felt that from the jump. Um, everybody was excited to run it back, and that's our theme this year. So um, 
just going out of practice every day, everyone has that same mentality. And um, it's awesome. You know, everyone wants to win and um, everyone wants to go back to championship again. So uh, I just felt that same energy as soon as I walked in. And um, from the start, from the end of practice to the start of practice to meetings, um, I think everyone's moved, moving around. So um, definitely a championship team. You know what, Jordan, it's interesting. You only played five games with the Battle Hawks and two home games. But here in St. Louis, we still consider you our guy. <laughs> I love St. Louis. I would go back in a heartbeat anytime, dude. Um, I'm so happy that um, the fans still have my back no matter what. And uh, it's a great place, and I loved it. Jordan, what was your reaction when you heard about The Rock uh, taking over the XFL? Oh, I was, exci- I was, exci- I was excited. Uh, just just seeing that and um his his passion for football and what he what he loves to do and that just made me happy that there's going to be more opportunities for for other jobs out there because if, if it wasn't for the XFL I wouldn't be where I am today and uh without the coaching staff there uh without the, without my teammates um just everybody in the XFL um it was it was such a great time um great competition great sport and uh, it was definitely fun after a win in St. Louis. So, Jordan, take us behind the curtain for tonight. You already had one road game, and you're still in Kansas City, right? You aren't with the team in Baltimore. Yes. So, yes, uh, I'm still in Kansas City. So, so how do you how do you treat a road game? How do you set up and and watch the game? Uh, so I just I bought a projector for my house uh, for my apartment, so I kind of put that thing up in the living room. And then I got some of the practice squad guys come over, and uh, we kind of just watch it watch it on there. And um, it's like the, it's like the best thing ever. It's like a mini movie theater. So we kind of watch and like uh, see what kind of plays they run, uh, just based off the formation. So uh, it's, it's fun to watch. What kind of snacks? It is Monday Night Football <laughs> after all. Uh, you know, we just kind of eat dinner. You know, just uh, it's our first Monday Night game, I guess. Uh, watching ourselves, but uh, just just a casual dinner. Uh, I heard the, uh, there's a lot of good places out here, so I'm gonna try try it. Beautiful. Well, have fun. We appreciate you taking some time. Good luck there. And caca. <laughs> caca. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Jordan, great to have you with us. Thank you. That is uh, Jordan Te'amu, former Battlehawks quarterback, now of the Chiefs on 101 ESPN. I did not expect you to end it with a caca, but wow, I appreciated that. We got him to do caca when he came into studio with, in the fast lane. I wonder if he gets cacaws wherever he goes still. I'll bet in St. Louis he would, yeah. But, you know, St. Louis, Kansas City, there might be some people who like the Battlehawks there, some St. Louis transplants that oh, might no see him out and give him a caca. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, it's... It's part of Missouri's lore now. Caca! <laughs> it is. Man, I missed the, the Battle Hawks. That was so fun. Maybe they'll be back. And he would come back in a heartbeat, he said. That's right. Well, we have it now. We have the audio, and we will hold him accountable <laughs> yes, for what he we, said. We, we want him back. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, Dan McLaughlin has scoops with Danny Mac, and we have our weekly visit with him before we cross things over. And we're going to talk a little bit about Fred Bird's painting <laughs> next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
Kearns moment on 101 ESPN and the outstanding voice of the St. Louis Cardinals on FS Midwest. Dan McLaughlin getting ready for scoops with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. He's in studio right now. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. What's happening? Was the Harrison Bader call yesterday <laughs> one of your all-time favorites? It is. <laughs> you have great eyes. Yeah, you really do. I Well, I don't, I can't see in front of me, uh-huh. so I have to wear, we've talked about yeah. this, I got to wear my glasses on the edge of my nose. I can see far. I can't see close. So um, I could see the, I'm assuming you're talking about Fred Bird. Yes. I've gotten a lot of reaction from this. Um, It's been nuts. I, it is one of my favorite calls. It it, it is. It's one of my, in the craziest, weirdest, oddest of seasons. It's one of my favorite calls ever. It's hilarious. I loved it. It was just, I mean, it is such a weird year and it is one of the weirdest (laughs) things I've ever seen in my life. That'd be darn if he didn't hit the painting. I mean, it, so, and here's the other thing. I just got off the phone with my brother, and he said, man, you guys really had, he said, I love the Fred Bird stuff this year. And I said, I did too. He said, and, and you know, you guys had fun with it. And I said, I, the guy that, that does Fred Bird, mm-hmm. of course, as we all know, Fred Bird's real. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Fred. Yeah, that's right. So when he first did the, let me set this whole thing up. So okay. we have a McDonald's read. And it always happens in the fourth inning. And so Fred Bird, we were going to have mascots at the games. Um, all the teams, I think, did it. And so Fred Bird knew it, the McDonald's dream would be at the fourth inning. And to his credit, he just decided he he really puts a lot into these things. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go and just kind of have a theme. I didn't know he was going to do this. <laughs> so the first time that he did it was the one where he started doing the ironing board. Yeah, it was yes. great. And I, it really just threw me for a loop. I had no idea he was going to be doing these things. And I thought it was hilarious. And so then he started doing different stuff, you know, washing, carving pumpkins. I, I just thought, I thought it was great. I, and I know that fans got a kick out of it. And what I thought was cool were the kids that were watching on TV loved it. Yeah, right. And I have kids, and they loved it. And so yesterday was the first time that he had left during one of his themed moments. And I had said, well, you know, there's a painting up there, and I I guess even for Fred Bird, nature calls. Mm-hmm. And so he had left. And if he, if he didn't leave, it would have hit him, yeah. and I said, on his tail feather. <laughs> yes. And so that thing was smoked by Bader. Mm-hmm. That was one of the hardest hit balls he's ever had. And sure enough, it hit the painting. It was unbelievable. So, it was a one in a million shot. It was. It really was. And so, uh, as you mentioned, shout out to Fred Bird for the yeah. great work this season. But Bob Ross, or Fred Ross, as yeah. you will, does that beat Fred Exotic, in your opinion? <laughs> he had, well, he had Fred Exotic. That was a good one. Um, and I'm sure our texters will help out with some of the uh, the ones that he did. Well, he later came down with, because uh, Ricky had, had actually said to me, he goes, well, who's Bob Ross off the air? And I said, you know, Bob Ross, the guy... <laughs> Oh, just get into it, folks. You know, you, you're a little splash here and you got a line here. I used to watch Bob Ross. I painted as a kid. I loved painting. I used to take art lessons. Really? So I loved Bob Ross. And when he came back down, did you guys see he had the big the big wig? Yeah. You know, so I thought that was funny. Um, Fred Exotic was really good. I didn't pick up on Bernie the Brewer the other night until later, but he was down as Fred the Brewer. So he had the, the Fred the Brewer deal going on Friday night, I think it was. That was good. Um, the ironing was the one that just caught me off guard. <laughs> just 
it was just odd. He was doing laundry one day, washing his clothes. Let's see. We had some other ones that were pretty good. But yeah, Fred Exotic was really good when he was just sitting there with <laughs> with the tigers and just, you know, just, you know, just playing with his tigers. And As one does, of, yeah, usually. Yeah. There, there were some pretty good ones. It was good. Hey, Dan, uh, Trevor Bauer asked the question why the Cardinals aren't playing their doubleheader today. Do you know the exact reason? It, it is a logical, good question. I, I know he tweeted that out um, probably like like 9 or 10 o'clock last night, and it is a logical question. Yes, the answer would be very simply to mitigate travel. It, it, so once you had your your playoff pool set, they wanted to, to eliminate all tra- – this is my understanding. It was just to eliminate travel – to make sure that you, once you had your your eight teams set, hey, the eight teams are in the playoff pool. Now we're going with a winning percentage, and we're trying to eliminate any kind of you know exposure to the virus. And that's that's why they did it. So, is it fair? You could make the argument that it's not because the Cardinals could have gone to Detroit, lost a couple of games. Then Cincinnati, I think, would have been the second team in the division. It would have then done a little different look of the seeding. You can make that argument, but that's the way it goes, and it's a, a odd, weird season anyway. Mm-hmm. And you also could have said, hey, the Cardinals then would have started. You could have made the case and made the argument, well, the Cardinals then would have started uh Kim on short days rest, and they would have been forced to use much of their bullpen in these two games. You could make that argument, but they didn't. This is how baseball decided to do it, and they made that decision, you may remember, a long time ago. This was something that was decided by Rob Manfred and the powers that be at Major League Baseball way back when. This was, when, this was not decided just a week ago. This was way back then, when that they said that uh, winning percentage would be a part of this, so it's, it's not ideal, but this is what they decided to do. It is, as you mentioned, a really weird and odd season. And when you think about everything the Cardinals have had to endure, a COVID outbreak, injuries, uh, scheduling problems, all sorts of things. Driving to games. Driving to games. When you think about this season and the fact that they were able to overcome that and here they are entering the playoffs, where do you place this as far as impressive accomplishments for you? Well, in the time that I've been doing the games, it's the best I've ever seen. Um, I I would put this right there when they lost Daryl Kyle. I mean, that was awful it was terrible it was exhausting for the team it was just brutal for the players on that team it was brutal for Tony La Russa and trying just to get through the season it, it, it was from a baseball perspective of trying to fill the rotation which is just an awful thing to say I mean it, it you lose a human being yeah. I mean it's just mm-hmm. it's I think terrible. they used 14 starting pitchers that year though remember from the a baseball perspective that's... it was Travis Smith I think yeah. was one of their starters and it, it was terrible they they went out and got Chuck Finley mm-hmm. who's very good at the end of that season I, I hate mm-hmm. even just talking about that was when the baseball perspective yeah. of just right. filling a rotation it's just it's callous but you think about things from a baseball perspective like Finley coming in and Teaching Andy Bennis uh, a pitch at the end of his Split career. finger. Yeah. And it, it wound up being that Andy Bennis could have come back and been really good. He was really good at the end of his, yep. that year. And the Cardinals actually had sent Andy Bennis out, then needed him to come back. And then it was to the point that they wanted him to come back for another year. And Andy said, uh-uh, I'm good. I'm done. But this was remarkable. I, I know some fans will say, oh, what's the big deal? It's 60 games. How can guys be exhausted? This team was 
completely, utterly exhausted. And these two days off are huge going into San Diego. So the motivation to win yesterday was not to play the doubleheader, but also to have two days off. Mm -hmm. So these two days are going to feel like a week on the beach in Cancun for them. Um, It's going to be great to get those two games. And they're in postseason play. So to answer your question, Michelle, in my time of doing the games and having talked to guys privately, whether it be with text or just having some private uh, conversations with them, it's the best I've ever seen. Um, this team went through an incredible amount of adversity just to get to this point. So it's amazing to come through it, not only fairly healthy. Now, we did have the Dakota Hudson uh, injury, which I think would have happened anyway through the course of a season. But to come out of this with their bullpen somewhat intact, you do have the John Gant situation, which will be addressed, I'm sure, in the next couple of days to see if he can pitch. But for the most part, healthy. Uh, it's it's absolutely remarkable uh, to be in this spot. I, I was telling Michelle this morning, we were talking about the series in Chicago, the, the White Sox and Cubs series, where they used about a half dozen pitchers that I had never heard of before. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Matt. Um, who My the, singer, Hector Sanchez. Who's the guy that gave up the four home Roel runs? Roel Ramirez. Yep. Uh, just... You were just trying to get through games at that point. You were just trying to fill out the schedule. Yeah, get through a day. I I was thinking during the game yesterday, not to go too personal here, but I mean, I was thinking sitting during the game, I can't believe that we're here. Honestly, I didn't know if we were going to get through the season. I didn't know if we were getting through two weeks. And when Freddie Freeman got COVID, I thought that might be it. Mm -hmm. When you have a major player get COVID, and the the talk was it was pretty severe for him. The high fevers were were reported. You know, when you have an MVP-type candidate, and he might win the MVP this year, I think he is, Um, I I thought they might shut it down. I I thought they'd just say, forget it. And I remember coming into the studio here after the 4th of July, and we were all talking about that they did not have the testing protocols down. Remember, there were teams that could not work out because – the testing was not getting back to the facility properly. And so teams could not go work out because they didn't have the the tests back. I thought, this is this is insane. This is crazy. Personally I thought this is there's no way this is gonna happen. And now here we are. They're going to after the first round a bubble and, and they're gonna get through this. They're they're gonna wind up having a postseason and awarded champion. It's amazing. Scoops with Danny Mack coming up at the top of the hour. We're gonna talk about the Padres a little bit and more with Dan on one oh one ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's newest store. Number 41 in Eureka is now open. Character and Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, getting ready for scoops with Danny Mac. And of course, his Monday visit with Brad Thompson. That's coming up in the 10 o'clock hour. Yeah, dive into uh, a little bit of look ahead and a look back at the season that was for the Cardinals, but uh, still the season that's going on with the San Diego Padres coming up. I know the Padres are completely different, different ownership, different. Uh, there probably isn't anybody in the organization that was there last time they won a playoff game against the Cardinals in 2006. The Cardinals 9-1 and one against the Padres in playoff action. If not for a missed pop-up by Mike Piazza, mm-hmm. what might have been in 2006, people forget that. It was Albert Pujols at the plate. He popped up, and Piazza missed it in foul territory, and boom, Albert hits a home run. I think it was a two-run two homer. Run over, right. And also Rafael uh, uh, 
Belly or Ronnie Belliard made that great play in the in the hole at second base, and that's when Jim Edmonds started awarding game balls, and it was a game saving play, and uh, the rest is history in '06. Yeah, and that's isn't it amazing? The Cardinals have played I think it's 44 postseason games since the last time the Padres won one. It's incredible. <laughs> you know, since 2000, only the Yankees have played more postseason games and have been in more postseason years than the Cardinals. So the Cardinals have had just a heck of a run uh, that continues now. And, you know, you you got to think the Cardinals have as good a chance as anybody. And I know some fans would say, now, wait a minute. Have you looked at the offense? And yes, I have. But have you looked at the pitching? And yes, I have. You know, pitching trumps hitting. And the Cardinals have good pitching. And now not having to go to Detroit, they can line up their pitching um, you know, if you get a good start out of Jack Flaherty, he can shut down anybody. KK has been very good. These teams haven't seen each other. Clevenger is is banged up. Lamette is is banged up. They've got uh, sore arms, and they're not sure about those two guys. Now, the Padres lineup is terrific. The back end of their bullpen is terrific. So I get it. They'd be favored going into the series, but you just don't know what kind of pitching you might get from St. Louis. You catch lighting in a bottle, and you might win the series, short series. Randy and I were talking about that. In your opinion, who is a guy on this team offensively that could go on a David Freeze-type run, a guy that's unexpected, not a Paul Goldschmidt type, but somebody that we wouldn't necessarily see coming that could get hot? DeYoung, if, if he gets streaky and gets a couple of days off and can get back to where... He can be, and I, these two days are huge for him to get some rest. He he'd be my guy. Yeah, he's he's streaky anyway. But man, if he just gets a little rest, and you could see he was just gassed at the end of the year. If if he can get a little a little rest, he would be my guy. You know, mm-hmm. or one of the outfielders that that can catch fire. But DeYoung would be my guy because he's got power. He's got that that type of, of skill set that could carry a club, and he's so streaky. And and the other one would be Dylan Carlson. You know, if you hit Dylan Carlson in the middle of a lineup and the guys that are table setters get on in front of him, Dylan Carlson would be the other one. That Those would be my two guys, one or the other. Dan, when the uh, Cardinals get things started here, uh, they're obviously – going to be the underdogs, but they'll For be sure. one of four teams from the Central, and I think they'll probably <laughs> all be underdogs. Do, do you think that the Cardinal, or the four teams from the Central, is that more a reflection on the division or the league? I think it's the pitching. I, to me, it's overlooked just how good the pitching was in the Central. I, I'm not saying the Central was a juggernaut because the Central, if you look at the hitting in the Central Division, it was it was pretty poor. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the collective averages of these teams was bad they were at the bottom five all five teams are at the bottom five of the league yeah. um but yet look at the pitching um the cardinals pitching was top five look at the starters of cincinnati look at the arms that the brewers have coming out of their bullpen that we saw this weekend they're going to have the reliever of the year in the st louis native devin williams they've got josh Hader. their starters are pretty good now they're banged up going into that series um I think it's more a reflection that the pitching was pretty good in the National League Central Division. Now, we may be giving it a little too much credit, but that that is a reflection that they're... I, I don't think we look enough that the pitching... Now, minus the Pirates. The Pirates were mm-hmm. a very bad team. Really bad. Historically bad. But the other four, the pitching was really good. And I, I'm not sure we give them enough credit, uh, those four teams. 
I think the pitching of the Central Division was pretty darn good. And the parity of the Central Division also benefited them because no you question. had dominant, two dominant teams in the West and three pretty bad teams. And then in the East, you had two pretty good teams and then the three average to bad. But you had to, you had, to, you got to take a look too, though. The best teams in the American League are from the Central Division, and you had to play them in the interleague, mm-hmm. right? In, in the interleague point. competition. So that's something you got to keep in mind too, in my opinion. Which one of these other series in the National League are you looking forward to? I got to take a look at them. You got to. Here, I got it right here. Yeah, I, you're putting me on the spot here, Michelle. <laughs> um, the one that I, I, well, the one that I look at um, any team that that Cincinnati's playing, and mm-hmm. that, that's the one I like is is the Braves with their hitting and their lineup against the Cincinnati pitching. That's I was talking about that on the the telecast yesterday. I think that intrigues me probably the most of anybody. I I don't think anybody wants to play. The Reds. Reds finished up so hot, hotter than maybe any team in baseball. They can line up their pitching. Bauer, to me, is the Cy Young Award winner. And even though the middle of the lineup is so good with the Braves and they can mash with anybody, they have the MVP in Freeman. Ozuna's had a monster season. Um, I still think pitching wins. And when you have the three that they can throw out there with uh, the, the Cincinnati Reds, and I love the back end of their bullpen. They can shorten some games up. I think the Reds are really dangerous, and, and they're they starting to hit a little bit. Yeah, won 11 of their last 14. 14, yeah. I do think if, and I've said this before and been completely wrong, I do think that if the Dodgers are going to be got, then it's going to have to be in the best of three. I And that I would, would agree. be Milwaukee. I, I don't think anybody's beating the Dodgers in a best of seven. But Milwaukee now, coming out of this series so beat up, yeah, with tough. their pitching, I, I don't see them getting. I don't see them getting L.A. and and the pressure. But to to your point, though, the only way you can get them is in a best of three, right? Lightning in a bottle over the course of a seven game series with the depth that they have. I, I don't see them be, getting beat. And was it forty three and seventeen? They went forty three. I think forty three and seventeen, and did it without that's incredible without David Price. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's what is that? It's like six fifty ball. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And God. they make it look easy. They really do. And they've interchangeable parts, too. Mm-hmm. Look at their lineups on a daily basis, where they put guys. You ever just look at the yeah. daily box score? It's amazing. See, I'm a box score guy. I still go back and look yeah. at box scores because I'm a geek. But look at like where they place guys. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All these interchangeable parts, where and they play guys. Here's the thing. Last year, Cody Bellinger's the MVP. Cody Bellinger didn't have a good year. No, there's so many guys didn't have a good Betts year. Betts had a really good year. Yep. But elsewhere on that team, Justin Turner didn't hit well. Seager was better, but wasn't what we would expect Seager to be. Jack Peterson, they're just going to let him walk as a free agent. Yeah. Uh, but they've got, like you say, so much depth. And yeah, so that's much, at second base sometimes. Yeah, right. Mixing and matching. They're great. Yeah. They're the, the best team clearly in, I think, in baseball. I agree. And I would have put the, the Yankees up there, but the Yankees are so beat up. The Yankees, that's the other one I look at in the American League, the Ohio teams. I think Cleveland very easily could knock the Yankees up. That's to me. That's the most intriguing series. I, when you have Bieber, mm-hmm. and if you can get him, and they're pitching in Cleveland, I, I think the Indians are the team to beat too in the American League. That that to me is the See, team to beat, and, and that's a franchise that in the last sixteen months has traded Bauer, Kluber, and Clevenger, and they still have the best pitching in their league, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't, and they they may have the MVP in their lineup with a bounce back Ramirez, year. Yeah, you know, 
Um, and that's why when you looked at what the Cardinals had to go through and the rest of the NL Central, having to face the White Sox, the Cleveland Indians, the Minnesota Twins, that's not easy. Kansas mm-hmm. City was throwing very good arms at the end of the year. Not easy yeah. what the, the NL Central teams had to do. Were you glad that the Rams lost yesterday? I didn't know that they lost. They I did. Watch. They lost to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Ah, shoot. Yeah. It, it only gets me. Well, you know what? I probably need to go home and you guys fill the next hour. <laughs> You're that despondent. I am. I, you know what? I'll I just get it. go take a nap. So that's, <laughs> I can that's see it, Dad. It really, really got me. Here's another thing. They were really upset because uh, there was a pass interference call that was called and they didn't think it was pass interference. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, from a couple years ago? <laughs> it does. Oh, darn it. any team to complain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I am going to watch the NFL a little bit more, though. You can watch I, tonight? I will watch tonight. Tonight will be fun. Yeah. I'm locked into baseball right now, though. I really This am. is going to be awesome. This I, I, I watched three hours of MLB Network last night when I got home. Did you? Nice. Oh, yeah. Great. The, the, the eight series, this is great. Uh, uh, for this year, having expanded playoffs, I think it's really cool. I do, too. I wish they were going to do this all the time. I And I know I'm in the well, minority, but I wish they would do this. Can you imagine that? I with, think they need to, to get in more fans. Well, and they also need to keep... ESPN and TBS health health happy. Uh, th- there's a lot of money there. There's a billion dollars a year. The more playoff games you have, the more money you're going to make. Did you see TBS has got now a Tuesday night package that mm-hmm. was just announced uh, last week. So there'll be a Tuesday night national game with a NBA type feel of what they're doing on their pregame show. I don't think there will never be another uh, in my lifetime, there'll never be like a pregame show with Shaq and right. mm-hmm. Kenny and all those guys. I mean, that's Chuck. it's just awesome and Chuck. But they're going to try to do something with it. Um, so they're going to have a Tuesday night national game, which is great. I mean, hey, more exposure for the game is is great. I, I hope it works. But it's more money for the game and the owners. Yeah. So do what you got to do to to expose the game. I'm I'm all for it. Did you ever find out if that's exclusive to them? It is. It is not. So okay. it it will not be just. A, you know, if, if Fox Midwest has the game, Fox Midwest has got it, Good. but it also goes nationally, too. We all want to watch and hear from you. Well, that's very important to, let's just be honest, to me. <laughs> <laughs> Us too, Dan. I'm very selfish. Thank you. Yeah. Have, have a great scoops. All right. Looking forward to it, guys. Michelle, great to have you back. Thanks for filling in, Dan. Appreciate you. You got it. That is Dan McLaughlin. I'm Randy Carricker. That's Michelle Smallman. Thanks to our producer engineer, Tanner Hendrickson, today doing great work. And thanks to you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Carricker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.